In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 231. That's right, September books. Plus one from August, I think. A whole lot of stuff, man. <laughs> Seven books. We are talking Green Lantern 44, Green Lantern Annual number four, Green Lantern Star Trek number three, Lost Army number four, Lobo Annual number one, Lobo number ten, and Sinestro number fifteen. And then we're uh, going to do Threshold right after. No, only kidding. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, uh, so uh, I, I wanted to hop just in right into it, but if you hear beeping in the background, like just that right that second, uh, it's Chad's that, ankle bracelet. That's right. Uh, that is my smoke detector in my apartment. Um, uh, whenever I am not talking, I'll do my best to edit it out. But if it happens as I'm talking, obviously there is nothing I can do about it. So. Uh, if you hear the beeping, that's the smoke detector, uh, so apologies there. Otherwise, the audio quality should be just fine. So, uh, otherwise, we're just going to go ahead and hop right into it. Um, first up, we have Green Lantern number 44. Um, Green Lantern number 44, Hal and Trapper Deathmatch. Uh, we have, uh, we open up uh, basically where we left off, um, uh, uh, Virgo is uh, kind of uh, unconscious um, from his use of the gauntlet last issue and um, what Hal is doing is he is affixing Trapper with a kind of, speaking of ankle bracelet, uh, speaking of a uh, he's affixing his wrist with a, a, a bracelet to monitor him and if there's anything that happens uh, Hal can Dump enough paralytic into your radial artery to seize up every muscle you have. Um, so they're trying to get some uh, some help for Virgo. They land on a pl- on a on a planet. Hal takes a couple of guns just in case. Um, Hal and Virgo disembark there on the planet Galoon at Port Spire, and uh, they come across a kid. And Hal's, you know, the, 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 the place is pretty empty. Uh, and Hal's like, well, it showed people in the streets when we were coming in, but they just see this one kid. The kid runs off screaming, guests, guests. Hal uh, says, well, let's go take a look around. I don't like being out in the open. We need to get Virgo to a doctor. And down below in the, quote, underland, uh, this uh, creature is saying, you know, wake up. You know, we love when we have guests. Um, and then back up up top, 
the doctor, uh, a doctor is, uh, is comforting a child. You know, the guests won't come here. Will they doctor? He's, um, they're probably just seeking fuel and provisions. They come, uh, they actually, Hal and Trapper end up showing up anyways, of course. And, uh, he says, you know, the beds are full. We got a man who needs medical attention. Uh, but he shuts the door in their face anyway. Hal comes bursting in. We need to get him help. Um, the doctor agrees, thinking that the sooner he helps, the sooner they'll be gone. Uh, he asked to, he asked what happened. Um, Hal explains that, you know, he kind of overloaded his mind using the, uh, the gauntlet. He says this type of condition is more commonly associated with a blunt force head injury. Your friend's brain has retreated, shut down to concentrate all of its energies on healing. I can accelerate the process. Um, so he does so. They're trying to hurry up. It's at this point that this creature that from the Underland sends out some beings with wings. They go flying up towards the surface or whatever you want to call it. Um, he asks, you know, how long it's going to take. You know, the, the doctor hopes not long. And then that's when the welcoming party arrives, these people with wings. Uh, don't be scared. Guests come out and say hello. Hal demands who's out there, and he says... Oleo's Wake, Thanagarian Marauders. They moved in a few months ago, built a hideout beneath the mist where we can't find them. They raid every ship that comes to port, steal everything to augment themselves. The ships lined up outside are just empty hulks. And Hal's like, well, you set us up? He says, they make us keep the port running as bait. They'll kill us otherwise. Well, he doesn't say otherwise. I added that. But uh, they even dismantled our communications. We can't warn anyone, and we can't call for help. So Hal agrees to help and has Trapper help him uh, at, while they're at it. Uh, he says, well, you want to take it to the sky? You know, he starts fighting the, the Marauders. I own the sky, which I thought was kind of an odd thing for Hal to say to Thanagarians, but whatever. <laughs> it's, it's Hal, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they're getting the better of Hal for a minute. Hal gets knocked out onto the ground. Trapper goes out and starts firing, and Hal comes to. They start going back to back uh, to... Take, take on the Thanagarians. Uh, he ends up killing one of them, Trapper, that is. And and Hal says, you know, we're not we're not killing, we're capturing. Which is a, which is a funny scene. It's like, are we not killing? I thought we were killing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, Trapper says, Hal, your ears are leaking. And that means well, Hal's uh, ears are bleeding. He passes out. He wakes up. Virgo is now conscious. He's okay. Uh, he says he feels uh, – Hal says it feels like there's a, an elephant standing on his head. Um, he's, the doctor says he'll be fine. He'll be fine after a little bit. That's just the after effects. Um, the doctor's like, you know, the entire port is indebted to you. Oleo and his wake are in stasis cells in the jail. Now all we require is police to guard them and without the Green Lantern Corps, dot, dot, dot. And Hal says, I know what you're asking, but, I, you know, I can't stay. Uh, the disappearance of the Green Lantern Corps – is the reason I can't stay. You know, you're going to have to find someone else to, to look after him. And he's and the doctor says, I understand. We'll, we'll find our, our police from within. You've always got friends here. Um, and then steps out and he's, you know, Trapper's like, well, look who's awake. You know, I, I uh, and he's the house is new. I'd get you to act like my crew. Eventually Trapper's like, well, this bracelet doesn't give me much of a choice. So well, you're going to follow my rules. No killing. Uh, the kid comes and thanks Hal, and then Hal, Trapper, and Virgo fly off uh, to continue their journey. And it says, next on the Trail of Black Hand. Um, and just because the they put the title page in a weird freaking place this time, 
let me go back and give proper credit to creative team um, once I freaking get there because I'm reading this on a tablet, so i got to keep swiping until it freaking pops up. Page three. Writer Robert Venditti, pencils Billy Tan and Martin Cocolo. Inks Mark Irwin and Martin Cocolo. (laughs) (laughs) Colorist Tony Avina. (laughs) Letterer Dave Sharp, cover Tan and Avina. And the Green Lantern 75th anniversary variant, because this happened in that month, was by Howard Chaikin. Assistant editor is Andrew Marino. And group editor, Eddie Berganza. And that's the cover I actually have. I have the anniversary cover. Yeah, it's um, it's a Chaikin cover. <laughs> I still liked it better than the original, which is why I chose to go with the cover. That's true. They pulled uh, them both for me, and that's the one I kept. All right, guys, we got seven issues to go through, so we're going to try and make this pretty quick. We're not Obviously, if, if something begs us to talk about it more, we're, we'll give it its due diligence. But otherwise, we're going to try and go... Uh, you know, kind of give our thoughts kind of quickly, especially with this Green Lantern one, it kind of re- leads right into the annual. Uh, that's why I did so much uh, uh, reading verbatim from the issue. So, so you understood, you know, where some of the scenes in the annual are coming from. But uh, what do you think of the uh, issue overall, Mark? Uh, it was kind of, as other people have said, it was kind of like a filler issue. You know, it's like like we've like we've kind of talked about overall. There seems to be a lot of seemingly f- filler type issues along the way, even though it may just be you know one issue stories for Hal. So maybe it just kind of seems that way because not much not much happens, and it, and and the not much that happens happens pretty quickly, and then it's like can't really say forgotten with this story since obviously we'll revisit some scenes from this in the next in the annual. I thought it as a kind of like a almost like a standalone kind of like a with a magnificent seven kind of twist to it. I thought it was fine. Uh, I kind of it does make you feel bad for the you know for the you know for the citizens of the port you know who, who are being forced to do this and who are basically petrified of guests because what it you know not necessarily because they have the xenophobia but just because of the fact that they know what's going to happen to them and if the guests come to them then that you know they can deal with they catch the fallout from it too so i kind of so i thought on that level it, w- it was well it was well written i kind of like trapper and hal you know and having a bonding moment though as trapper or at least pointed out on the surface it seems like it's he doesn't have much of a choice whether that's true or not who knows but entirely but it was it was it was pretty you know it was it wasn't bad it wasn't anything it wasn't a i don't think it was one of the best issues during the venditti run but it, it wasn't one of the worst either so I, I mean, for, for I agree with you. It's definitely a fill-in issue, um, and I mean, I guess given where we were in the storyline, it makes sense that we needed to get Virgo taken care of. But I don't know if any of this was really necessary at all. Um, I guess once we get to the annual, it's necessary so that it gives you a place for. Uh, these I already forgot their names, but the people who are following Hal's trail. Oh, um, the Zagur, well, the Gray, whatever. Yeah, whatever they are. Um, it, 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 you know, Hal keeps having to touch down places, giving them a, you know, a trail to follow. Uh, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, but kind of a, I mean, the art is is the same. You know, it it actually looks fairly decent. This issue, uh, I thought, uh, so, it, certainly better than what's to come. Yes, 
so there's there's that. But uh, the Thanagarians, I don't know. If they were going to go this way, it might have been better to give us more information on them. Um, it says they're, you know, he says they're, they're Thanagarians. Excuse me. Uh, he says they're Thanagarian marauders. But they, it doesn't say, uh, they, well, yeah, I guess it does steal everything to augment themselves. Okay. So there's that. Cause they don't look like Thanagarians. I mean, other than armor and wings, yes, but all the weird, te- you know, tech inside of them. The only thing that I wanted to say, they kind of left a loose end with the guy who wakes up the Thanagarians. Like, what happened to him? Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, maybe that. Oh, the, yeah, the guy who was wired in or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That is that is that is true, but maybe that's an, maybe who knows? Maybe that's a pur- it's purposely left dangling to uh, be dealt with down the road. Maybe maybe there's a storyline that, given the opportunity that you know Robert Venditti would will come back to that refers to that. So. Yeah. But that was that is true. That that was a good pickup. Um, I don't really have much else. Do you have anything else for this issue? No, it was like I said. It was the I I would agree with you. The artwork was pretty good, but I think that's because, pro- being fair, it probably because that was a lot of the really good panels probably were the Cocolo panels. True, um, I believe so. Uh, which is so. It yeah, I think overall it does work, and I and I and the bonding between you know the th- you know Hal's crew that's 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 a good that is a good thing. So in a way, whenever the status quo of Hal being how being the renegade kind of kind of ends and and these characters all go their separate ways if that's what ends up happening it'll be kind of a, it'll be a weird change of pace because i think at that point we might very well be really attached to these three as a team these unlikely you know allies if you will but we also don't know how when that's going to happen especially with what's going on with lost army we don't know this could be how status quo for maybe even longer than planned in real time <laughs> But yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else to really add to that. Okay. Uh, annual number four. Annual number four. Otherwise, as the title will will tell us, tales of Hal Jordan. And the actual title page in the issue says the the title of the issue is in the gray, and the writer is Robert Venditti, artist Pascal Alex or Alex, and Martin Cocolo, our, our friend again. Colorist Tony Avina, <laughs> Pete Pantazis, and Hi-Fi, Dave Sharp's the letterer, Ian Churchill and Hi-Fi did the cover, Andrew Marino is assistant editor, and Eddie Berganza is, of course, the group editor. So this this is another one where, you know, on, on some levels with this issue, again, I'm, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to super shortchange it, but I'm going to also try not to go into panel by panel on this one because there's basically two kind of two real stories being told here and it's not a a lot of the detail is not all super relevant uh, and, and it is an annual so there are more pages so. yes and, and it is an exactly and, and I really thought they were going to when they said tales of Hal Jordan I actually really thought we, we were going to have like near three or four different stories in this but as it turns out really it's more like more or less like I said it's basically two real stories a uh, little story within a story the first one, but so we begin in space sector twenty eight thirteen, uh, the third moon of the planet Wayne. Uh, pretty much, it's one of those you know criminal worlds that, where you dump your worst nightmares and you just kind of let them 
you know, take care of themselves. And Hal shows up, very looking very specter-like, I might add. <laughs> he he shows up, and as soon as he arrives, you know, they think the criminals think the you know Green Lanterns have arrived, so they go lanterns scatter to the Warrens, which which is basically underground here, almost like underground catacombs. And we get our first little uh, cameo, if you will, of the issue, which, of course, I could do without in general, which is Lobo. Hal runs into Lobo, and uh, Lobo kind of knows who he is, and <laughs> as we'll find out why, in, the, in the, how it, everything plays out with Lobo, and along with Sinestro in the recent books, we know why he knows who Hal is, if he didn't know before. Uh, Lobo kind of you know, helps him, quote-unquote, to get down to the Warrens, and then you know, Lobo, Lobo disappears. Hal pretty much goes underneath, and he comes face-to-face with an extremely poorly drawn uh, squad of Green Lanterns, including Salak and, uh, what, 2-6, uh, Goran's son. I swear to God, when I first saw that page, that on the Splash uh, issue title page, didn't it kind of look like it was a screwed-up John Stewart as opposed to Vass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, why is John Stewart looking like a zombie or looking Michael Myers-like? Uh so basically, Salak's little team there is, you know, apparently is there to try. Well, not really. They, there's no apparently. They were there to try to apprehend Hal Jordan. Uh, now we cut back. This now we. This is being told in pa- that panel. That little intro is basically past tense. Now we switch to uh, the current situation, which is on Darlene, uh, where basically uh, uh, an extremely weird and and very feminine-looking Hal Jordan. It's, let's just be blunt. I mean, Trapper, Trapper and Virgo don't look bad, but Hal looks just, oh, my God. Uh, but basically, I think Hal's having Darlene try to track down the remnant, trying basically looking into the whole source wall gravel problem. Uh, you know, Virgo's still trying to get get back on his feet, basically, from from being healed in, in, the, in the issue Chad just went through. Uh, we got a qu- little reference point of reminding people or people who hadn't read the, the actual Green Lantern issues about how Virgo's world pretty much you know had but it had had the tragedy to it and then we go back then Hal basically so Hal basically is telling Virgo not so much Trapper but telling Virgo essentially the story of what happened when you know these lanterns came to deal with him and the first incarnation of the, the first version of the story we pretty much you know we see Hal kind of being more, being more of a badass and, you know, uh, kind of like to- now, It's not so much, even though he is kind of toying with the Green Lanterns, he just kind of makes it sound like, I gave you a chance to escape with your lies, you know. You know, if, if you don't want them, you know, I'll take them, and including like putting the big the big, the big boot down and, and seemingly about to crush them, but really didn't. Though I do kind of like the pat, the fact when like, like when Vath goes, you're a bastard, Jordan, and he goes, <laughs> or like in this whole issue, and he goes, you know, I never liked you, Vath. <laughs> That part I kind of like, just the way the issue plays out. Um, but basically, you know, Hal, you know, Hal comes out to be, you know, again, he's taking care of business, telling them to get out of here. It's like if if I see you guys, you know, if I see any core members again, uh, another lantern, I'll kill you all. And he almost has like this Joker-like laughter. And what we, what we, you know, what we basically find out here is that the story that Hal, you know, and I'll I'll come back to this because basically, I mean I'll 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 throw this in now and then get to the other story because, but basically, 
Virgo realizes that the story that Hal is telling doesn't quite ring true because he knows Hal at this point well enough to know that Hal wouldn't really do that. He wouldn't really threaten to kill them or whatever. And Hal basically says that this is the story. This is the version of what happened on, you know, what happened on uh, Wayne on the, that he heard from somebody else. That basically somebody who claimed they were there, and this was kind of like like their supposedly you know their first hand account when they as Hal I think Hal even mentions they probably were like hi, you know like hiding somewhere. So they had no idea what really happened. But this was the legend, if you will, the the myth about what happened there. So how kind of just and, – so the reason – you know, and then – so how kind of like tells, you know, tells, you know, Virgo kind of like what really happened, which, which wasn't nearly as much of a – as a conflict, basically doing the bare minimum to end the conflict. But there was a benefit to the fact that, that if – based on Hal's – based on where Hal is – that he's better off basically being feared. That he's better off having this reputation of being a badass and having people not mess with him. So if people are going to spread stories like that, then it's probably that's not a that's not exactly a bad thing, you know. Oh, almost like if you will, it's better to be feared than to be loved, you know. In that, you know, that, that philosophical question about which is better. Uh, in between that story kind of like sandwiched in between we go back to uh, Port Spire where we, we have the same little girl playing with toys and this time she's like take that Oleo and it's like uh, take that I'll teach you bullies and then the, 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 the term that Chad and I were struggling with a few minutes ago the gray agents <laughs> which seemingly is yet another force that wants to fill the void this seems to be like an ongoing competition in, in, the, in the universe that now that the Green Lantern Corps is gone everybody is trying to step into the vacuum to fill the gap and basically, they've come to Port Spire looking to find uh, Hal Jordan. And we find out the main reason why is because you can see what Hal Jordan has already done to, for, to, for these people. That just that little taste of what of Hal Jordan and the legend again, kind of like the counterbalance to what Hal was saying about how it is, better, you know, how the having a legend of somebody or the myth of somebody fearing you can work in your favor. The gray agents, the leader, is pointing out the fact that. Someone like Hal is really dangerous because basically this – the legend of someone like Hal who can inspire so many people is ex ex is extremely dangerous. And, he, you know, as he says to his friend at the end, it's like it isn't who Hal Jordan is. It's what he represents. He's a legend, and the legend has to be killed. And that's pretty much – that's pretty much the main gist of the story. There's a little bit in, in between when Hal's telling the story, the truth to Virgo in which he basically – his ring – I mean his ring, excuse me, his gauntlet makes an – an energy construct uh, collection of Green Lanterns that Hal talks to, and it's kind of implied that Hal didn't really create this on purpose. It's more like the gauntlet, kind of like almost like circumventing his will or doing what it wants, and Hal not being entirely able to control it. But for the most part, that's pretty much the events of the of the annual. And they shake, the, and they sh and the Gray Agents are shaking down the Doctor for direct information on Hal Jordan, who. And, and to the doctor's credit, he does not give up the information willingly. They basically rip it out of his brain, pretty much, to find out, you know, what Hal Jordan did and, and you know, his adventures on, on in Port Spire. So, um, as a story, I liked it. As an annual, I didn't like it. Um, I'm sorry. I know I should judge a comic on what it is versus what it should, could or should be, um, but I am really upset with DC uh, not taking the opportunity of annuals to just tell stories, like just for the hell of it. 
You mean one-shot uh, stories? Yes. Well, what annuals used to be, essentially. Exactly. Which is kind of uh, funny on a quick – I don't mean to cut you off, but on a quick tangent because I was reading somebody's criticism about this annual, and they were going, this this annual stinks because pretty much it's not, it's not a continuation of a current story or the end chapter or the beginning chapter. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that that's kind of only because the annuals, if you will, have been bastardized over the last – you know, like five or six years at least, because to include them in as a you know the the beginning or the end of a big storyline when traditionally they used to be exactly kind of like this, not per, I mean obviously not perfectly like this because it's less of a one shot, but they used to just be a standalone story which would not really necess, necessarily have to do with anything that was going on in the current story. I mean current uh book. Sorry. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. I just I. I miss annuals being one shots. Um, I think in a world where not only do we have uh, six to eight issue story arcs and everything's written for the trade, and not only that, but crossovers on top of crossovers, if you're going to bring annuals back, you should just use the format to give us a breath of fresh air while you're busy heaping six-issue story arcs upon story arcs on top of us again and again and again. Um, if you're not going to give us the, you know, the you know the two and five and three and six kind of thing, in other words, a two-issue story and then a five-issue story and then a three-issue story and then a six-issue story and then another two-issue kind of thing and, and break it up like that, then give us the one shots uh, back. You know, give if you're gonna make everything six to eight to ten to twelve. You know, these these days, then give us the one shots back. The, all they're using the annuals are for now are just an extra niche, an extra issue to tell the story. That's all it is. I mean, because yes, you have this. You know, what happened to Hal Jordan between leaving Oa and picking up with the story once we started reading Green Lantern as he was a renegade. But it's also a continuation of the story. And they don't even give us some of the important information you we would like to probably know, like the whole Darlene thing. Yeah, exactly. So I just uh, – I, again, I, take that criticism with a pound of salt because I I agree with some of you out there that I should really be reviewing the comic based on – what it is versus what it could be. But I, I just, in this case, I can't get over it. And if anybody from, not that I really think anybody is listening, but if anybody from DC happens to be listening, regardless of whether you're <laughs> in editorial or can make decisions or just an artist, someone pass it up the chain. We are freaking sick to death of these interminably long story arcs. And if you're, gonna force feed us this stuff time and time again please give us something in return like give us the annuals back as being just one shots let the creators do whatever the fuck they want within the confines of your little universe thing but let them do a one shot this could have like like you said mark i was i was feeling the exact same thing when it said tales of hal jordan i was looking for like a you know, like several small one-shot stories, and that's not what we got. No, as far as as far as the stuff actually involving Hal, pretty much is just one story, and him is one one all-encompassing story, and him basically telling two versions of an in, of, of an internal story or something that happened in the past. You know, basically telling two versions of the same story that 
you know, to Virgo. Uh, and to, one, one to Virgo, one to Virgo and Trapper, but the same point. So it's really one, one, one really big story, and then the, the even the, the gray agent showing up hunting for Hal is pretty much like kind of like snaps or smashed right in between, or not towards the tail end, but still, it's, it kind of like interrupts even that story. So it's not even like, you know, like where it's a, a clear delineation between this, you know, three quarters of the story is the Hal stuff, and then the last quarter or the gray agents. It's not even like that, and and the artwork in this issue, with my God. And I, yeah, I, and I agree with you on that. Typically, Hal looks. I mean, I don't think. And, and here, here, here's a plus. Actually, there'll be another plus for people who think that maybe I'm too hard on Billy Tan. My God, I don't think I've ever seen Hal look worse. And I think that. And I think it's that. I'm, I can only assume it's the uh, Pascal, Alex or Alex art. Uh, like in that first couple of pages when he shows up on Darlene in the, in the present, I have never seen a more feminine-looking Hal Jordan in my life. There's nothing that looks like Hal Jordan. I mean, even especially that face when, when he, the way he's when spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Is that what you were saying? Because the, 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 where he looks the most feminine to me is when he says "spoiler warning, Darlene." Oh, uh, actually, I was going to say when Darlene said, "I'm nearly finished," and he goes, "Really?" Only because I swear to God, he looks just like a. You're right. The spoiler warning is similar, but I think he looks more feminine to me anyway on that panel with the "I'm nearly finished," and he goes, "Really?" and she and Darlene goes, "No." Only because I swear to God he looks just like a friend, uh, a friend of mine, who of course is female. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, and he's pretty, he's pretty, he's extremely feminine on the the Hang On Virgo panel too on that page when he, when Darlene and how how are we with the trace? I mean that's so I don't think that's the Kakolo art because Kakolo obviously has drawn Hal before and I don't think that's the issue. Um, yeah. Which is weird because as as seems to be a common thread that some people can only draw can't draw some characters and unfortunately we have been getting a lot of people draw Hal who can't draw Hal which is a problem. I mean look at you look at the same panels, you know where Hal looks extremely feminine even later on it looks at least unHal like uh, when uh, he and you know when they're having their conversation with uh, you know when Hal basically tells Trapper you know what I heard about you before I we cross paths nothing. <laughs> That stuff. I mean, I mean, Trapper and Virgo look really, really good, uh, yeah. but but Hal still looks look nothing like Hal. He looks slightly less feminine because the cutting, the coloring is different. Uh, but I don't know. The artwork certainly did not help. Did not help the issue. Um, Salik looks nothing like Salik. Um, and, he, and he's and one of the and he's one of the better drawn ones. But Vox it, over there, or whatever, he looks horrible. Well, his dimensions are the way they're supposed to be, but his face is just not at all it's like big, Yeah, it's like uh, – oh, yeah, yeah. Voss was supposed to be a little more bear-like, I thought, um, as opposed to whatever the fuck he is. He looks like Bigfoot. Yeah. His face, uh, anyway, the, looks like a Sasquatch. The the biggest one to me, though, is uh, I use the term biggest ironically. Goran's son didn't used to be that huge. No, he's not. I noticed, yeah. Goran's son is really, is really buff. No, no, I don't mean just buff. I mean his – He's bigger than Kilowog in some spots. Well, yeah, I just meant all around. He's just he's taller. You're correct. He's bulkier. He, everything's different. Yeah. And like we already mentioned, uh, Vath over there looks much more, almost looks like John Stewart with some scars than anything else. Yeah. Two six kind of looks like two six, not entirely, but she she's probably she's probably the closest one to being to looking the same way. Salik, not entirely because of the face either, but. She's probably the, comes the closest to looking more like we traditionally have seen her. 
And Kilowog, too, when, when, oh, yeah, when they, like the, the constructs. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's true, too. But yeah, my biggest complaint with this, other than the art, is just what an annual is today versus what it could be. Um, the art is pretty good on all the stuff related to Port Spire. The art's pretty good. Yes, yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. And the colors and the, really pop too. So. Yes, yes, they do. <clears throat> Especially the contrast on that uh, agent's face, like his red hair versus his blue skin. Yes. And I yeah. do like the fact that we kind of we kind of have got we get a little more understanding at least of who the gray agents are or what they want to be is that pretty much everybody is everybody it's like uh when the cats away the mice will play it's like there's 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 a gap there that everybody that everybody's now trying to fill uh everybody's trying to which will, which will be a common theme obviously as as we roll into the all oh, everything related to Lobo yeah um yeah, otherwise, I really, I really don't have much to say about it, to be honest with you. No, I just think overall, I think overall at this point, especially especially now that we're going to be down to two Lantern books very shortly, not counting the Star Trek thing, obviously, which continues on for several more months, that, and we know the whole Black Hand stuff and Relic, that's going to be coming to a head soon. And the, the question is, I, I don't know what, I can only assume this Grey Agent stuff is going to be dealt with after the whole after relic and black hand are temporarily off the table again but it just seems that we need i think we need a little more movement forward as far as i think these stories need to be as you kind of touched upon we need these stories to move ahead a little quicker especially because and we may need to do it maybe we should do an ep really think about doing an episode about on this like the state of the green lantern franchise here and have some guests and Bring some listeners on. Bring whoever like wants. Like a panel. Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I was thinking about that today. Bring, bring, you know, listeners. Bring whoever else would like to come on to talk about it because, because I, because I really, and I don't want to. I'm not going to go off too much on this because we have tons of stuff to talk about. That I just think in general, you know, we're not. I don't think we're going in the right direction, and I'm not necessarily cr criticizing, you know, Robert Venditti or even Cullen Bunn, who, and because they've done a lot of, they've done some good stories and do some good work. It's, Especially the way the Sinestro book has been, uh, and I like Lost Army a great deal since its in, since its launch. But Green Lantern is obviously not going in the right direction right now, as far as interest, as far as sales, as far as importance. So something's got to be done to shake this up. And I don't think telling relatively long, draw, drawn out stories in and where a lot of the issues seem to be, even if they're not bad issues, but not much happens, you don't gain much from it. And like we talked about, it can be categorized almost as filler, which may not be fair, but it's the way a lot of people would take those issues. I don't really, I think we need, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta shake things up, I think. And it just doesn't, it just makes me wonder what's gonna be going on. You know, and I don't want to get into this because I think I really do like your panel idea. Uh, so I do, I think, yeah, I think, I think it'd be beneficial should, in general, but yeah. I think we should do it, but I don't want to promise anything to the listeners because I know that we've got something else that we've been talking about doing for a long time at, before the end of this month to, to give to them. Plus the ion thing, plus you know all that other stuff. But <laughs> I thought you were talking about ion, but I should have known better. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, just deal with it, Mark. We gotta get it out of the way. Uh, well, what did you so, say? We gotta get it out of the way. Just deal with oh, it. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, um, so no, no, because I, I definitely like the idea. I want to do it. So I'll save my more specific thoughts on this. You say shake things up. I say. I say Hold there's not up. enough stability. I say they're shaking things up too much. 
like they, you know, how, you know, uh, something still, we need to make Hal Jordan, the leader of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, okay. That's uh, we're done with that. Let's make him a renegade. You know, like there's no stability in these characters anymore. There's one massive event happening one after the other that shakes things down to their very foundation and tears everything all to hell. And there's no stability for these characters anymore. Oh, I there's agree. No... I, I, to be, I, I mean, shaking things up more as in the just, as in what's what's what they're doing as a whole directional, directionally is just not working. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't mean, oh, oh, let's 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 come up with something brand new or something like you know, like the finite aspect of the emotional spectrum, which you know we don't like and a lot of people don't like. I don't mean that. I just mean more that. Uh, Kind of like the way that this maybe the best way to put it is this: the way they've been telling stories, the way the approach they've taken towards telling stories, including when Green Lantern Corps, you know, before you know convergence and when Green Lantern Corps was around and everything else. The thought it seems like that the the approach has been to take there hasn't been any kind of real rush or any kind of real urgency to to tell a good story, but not but have it told in a timely fashion. And now it just seems like it's like. A lot of these issues, as we mentioned, can kind of just be not. It's not like we're taking a whole lot out of some out of these issues, and we're not gaining a whole lot. We're gaining a little, and we are getting some characterization and some uh, insight. But that's that's kind of that's kind of what more I meant. Well, I mean, because Lord knows, I don't think personally, I don't want it to have any more move <laughs> move continually to move further away from the, you know, like the Jeff John status quo. I mean, some people I know do or welcome that just because they had their anti-Jeff Johns kicked. So they did anything that anybody did that was going to go against it, they were going to be happy with. I'm definitely not in that camp. And at this point, you know, I kind of long for some of the stuff that I, I, I kind of long for the, the bad the bad Jeff Johns period because it's still kind of like it was giving us a little better storytelling and overall and at least more interesting story arcs to, to look forward to than I think what we're getting. So that's kind of what I meant. But you're right. We we should we should go with my idea and try to pl- plan an episode soon. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna move on quickly here. Uh, going into Star Trek Green Lantern number three. Um, it's called The Last Light, an escape plan for the end of the universe. I've never actually heard of it being used before. Things never got that grim. But Ganthet would only have used it if he had no other choice. Theoretically, only a guardian of the universe could do it. Only a guardian knew how to combine the power of multiple power rings to create a rip in space-time and open a portal to a parallel universe. So Hal is standing over the corpse uh, of, uh, of Ganthet while Kirk is talking to him. Um, he's telling him about the last light, and the last light pulls every surviving lantern with it. Um, but the effort was obviously too much for Ganthet, and he died. And Kirk then asked the big question that we've all been asking. And even though we're trying to rush through this, because we got seven issues, I am going to read this because we've been wondering what the hell's happened. We're on a good pace, Chad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, Hal tells Kirk, not how, who. He calls himself, called himself, past tense, I hope, Necron. Less a person than a personification of death itself. He raised armies of the dead on every world in the cosmos, wiping out every last living thing. He tried it before... We beat him. But this time, Necron realized that he had an advantage over us that we could never match. Sheer numbers. 
One simple cruel fact: there will always be more dead than he can rate that he can rate than there are the living who can fight back. We all knew it was a lost cause, but we kept fighting to the end. And then in the final moments, it was like Gant that was with us. Everything went bright, and I found myself in your universe alone. My ring noticed it when you powered up those six rings you found with Ganthet. If the other surviving lanterns were pulled here like I was, we must have been scattered. And Hal, you know, Kirk goes, you know, your ring noticed, and Hal explains what the ring is. You know, it's not jewelry. It's an alien computer. Um, um, and it's more advanced than anything on your ship. <laughs> and Kirk's like, you'd be surprised. I love this. I love this dick off between these two guys. Like this, yeah, this measuring the, the, of dicks. The, there is, the certainly in this issue, there, there's a there's a lot of uh, whip it out. Let's see who's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he, you know, he, he's basically, and I don't, I don't want to do too much reading here, but basically, a lot of this is how kind of explaining the Green Lantern universe to Kirk. Uh, you know, re- telling him what what the uh, what the different colors embody and how the rings work and stuff like that. In the meanwhile, we flash over to Gornar where, uh, Glaucon has got his red ring and is killing his father. Um, you know, telling, you know, the, the entire galaxy will kneel before me and then boom, or crab boom, um, a single galaxy you think too small and atrocity shows up. Um, and he's like, well, tell me how you acquired that ring. He's like, well, it chose me. Fires at Atrocitus. You think you can harm me? Uh, your rage is nothing compared to mine. I want answers. Uh, you know, who are you? Uh, what were one of the uh, Glaucon's friend or whatever says, you know, Mercy. Um, we don't know Ganthet or Necron or which, anybody. Which is funny because no one mentions Ganthet on that page. I went back and I reread it because I was like, does, 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 does Trocidus mention Ganthet when he's going off on this? But he, he doesn't. He just mentions Necron. So the Ganthet aspect is kind of probably is a mistake. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. <clears throat> that's, that's definitely um, – yeah, there's only six issues. There's, there, there's no way they're setting that up. Unless they are, in which case I'm wrong. But anyways, then we cut, cut over to Romulus uh, where – Decius or Decius, I don't know how you say that, uh, is killing everybody and turns them all into his Orange Lantern Corps. Uh, he's going to create the Senate for himself. I like that. That was I like that was a pretty nice touch. <laughs> yeah. Today is the first day of the new Romulan Empire. Under my leadership, we will throw off the shackles that have thwarted our ambitions. We will embark on a glorious new future of conquest and expansion. And then conquest, as in taking things that don't belong to you. I like the way you think. <laughs> but your plans will be for naught if you don't have one of these. And there is Larflees in all his freaking glory. He looks awesome. Right he does there. look awesome. Compared to the cover, he looks awesome on that page. Yeah. Uh, clutching his orange lantern battery. And then over to Kronos we go where Sinestro is facing down Chang. With very little effort, it seems, as Sinestro just shrugs off all of this stuff. Then we kind of get the whole measuring of dicks thing here between Sinestro and Chang. He's also explaining the Green Lantern universe to him. Sinestro kind of is like, I'll help you, you help me. And then deep in the Alpha Quadrant, um, Chekhov is uh, having a time of his life. uh, And Kirk's like, I'm going to need you to come back inside now. (laughs) Uh, Hal's like, well, let him have a little fun. There's nothing like your first day with the ring. Um, and God, 
so much measuring of dicks here. Uh, the fireworks are impressive, Mr. Jordan, but this isn't the time for Captain Jordan. What? We have the same rank. I'm a captain in the United States Air Force, which may not exist anymore in this timeline, but my rank stays. So call me Captain or Captain Jordan or just Jordan. All or right. dick faces, Kirk would Jordan. like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> the, Kirk just says, I, I, I'm happy to help, but this is my crew and I'll give them orders. Um, and Hal's like, uh, speaking of survivors, I think I found a couple of them. Um, so uh, Chekhov says he's on his way in. And then we see uh, Carol Ferris, I'm assuming, yes. uh, carrying the body of St. Walker. Your poor St. Walker can't get I know. I, I mean, I'm going to be I'm gonna be more upset as we, later on as we talk about a different issue. But when I first saw this panel, it's like, it's like, geez, how original. St. Walker gets battle damaged or something, and he, and he, and he needs help. It's like, geez, we haven't just seen that not that long ago. She says, she says, I don't know who you are, but you're a Blue Lantern, and I can trust you. Help us, please. Um they go obviously aboard the, the the Enterprise, and then over in another quadrant, a uh, the Constellation um, is um, under attack uh, by Atrocitus and Glaucon. Uh, Atrocitus is basically teaching him um, the um, the uh, uh, Bones is uh, checking out Saint Walker. Uh, using his ring, as far as his ring is telling him, St. Walker's going to be okay. Hal asks Carol what happens. Um, you know, we we made it through, Hal, and he's like, well, what happened? The last slide, Hal, we made it through like you. But so did Necron. And across the Alpha Quadrant, at the former location of the Vulcan homeworld, rise. And the shattered remnants of Vulcan start coalescing into a what I'm assuming is just going to be like Zan she was during the Blackest Night, a dead lantern planet to be continued. That was a nice way to end the issue. It was. It was. This, I love this issue, man. It, remember last time I was saying, you know, things really need to be picking up pretty quick. We only have six issues, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of plot threads that that need to be tied up if we want to get a good story out of this, and they kind of like. They hit they hit the pedal to the metal in this one, and we were correct. And even though we physically don't see Necron at the end, other than other than the the, the cover of next issue, but we know we know we basically get his presence awesome. and it's confirmed that he's there. So we know so basically he is revealed to be in the Star Trek universe. Uh, every every lantern looks great. He, I mean, I, even though he's unconscious, Saint Walker looks great. Um, Carol looks great. Uh, Atrocitus is the only one that looks a little off to yeah. me. Yeah, once once we got into the regular series of the the Red Lantern series, especially once we actually got to see more of what Atrocitus looked like without the armor on, I think it makes to me anyway. I think it made me a little more sensitive to how he looks when he does have the like the the armor protecting the side of his head because if that's just not drawn right, then along with the way they draw his teeth and everything, that it just makes it gives them an entirely different appearance and it just doesn't. He looks yeah. a little stiff at some some of these panels too, I think. Uh, but yeah, I I, I think it, I think it, in this in this issue, I think Atrostis is probably the worst looking one of the of the new Guardians. Sinestro, and he still looks good. Yeah, he so. does. I mean, Sinestro looks pretty cool. Larfleeze looks the best. Yeah, and that one panel certainly, which is really interesting because he looks like crap on the cover. Yeah, his head is completely misshapen. 
And I, I again, I got to comment the, on the colors. The colors are just, I mean, awesome. Uh, it's, I mean, I, I keep harping on, I keep talking about uh, Larfleys, but just look at those oranges, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. Those those are bright, awesome oranges. Every every time you see a color in here, it is just especially when it comes to the lanterns, it is just epic. Now what Love did you, it. now what did you think about their little explanation for how he was able to win Blackest Night two? Because theoretically, sheer I, numbers. Yeah, because theoretically he would have had. I mean, I guess you, I guess we're supposed to, and they kind of imply that maybe he learns from his he learned from his mistake more than that it's something that he couldn't have done before because clearly he still would have had numbers on his side the first time, <laughs> and plus um, he would have had the element of complete surprise the first time because other than there may have been a prophecy, but nobody had ever half the people who knew of the pro- prophecy thought it was bullshit, so. The first time around, he was catching everybody by surprise. The second time, you know, it's like people have you know been there, done that. So I think it, it, you can make a case. It's a counterbalance there. But well, know. we don't know what happened. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't have a uh, a um, black hand. You know what I mean? That is like, true. Because black, the way he was defeated last time was black hand was resurrected, not giving. You know, Necron doesn't have a touch point into to our universe. Maybe he doesn't need one this time, or I don't know. But in this panel, it's um, Indigo 1, Atrocitus, St. Walker, Sinestro. Um, Guy John, Arisia. Yeah, I know. I was getting there. Uh, Guy John, Arisia, Kilowog, uh, Hal. Um, Salak. Yep, Salak. Um, and I don't know. Is that is that supposed to be... I guess it's how I was going to say. I didn't know if that was a mask or shadows. If that was supposed to be Simon. Um, I guess Guy died, huh? Well. Looks like his body down there on the ground. Um, when, Hal's, what, when Hal's getting sucked through? Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it's it's just, I don't I don't know. I I I'm wondering if, if okay, does Necron hat did he have a touch point? I don't think it matters. I don't think it would get answered in this this uh, six issues. No, it probably won't. I think I think we've already figured out everything we're going to figure out about the pre. Uh, I mean, we'll probably figure out a little more, but I think in terms of the big questions, I think all the big questions have been answered. Uh, all the ones they're going to answer, at least. Um, and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Necron was just biding his time, like you know, working from the edges of the universe and slowly, you know, and resurrecting everyone as opposed to just the people who had touch points. That is true. If if you remember Blackest Night, they just kept resurrecting people who would cause an emotional right. That is true. Response. Yes, because uh, they were trying only, to because they were trying to fill up the black battery. Yeah, and the only time the only time he didn't do that. And even that, even this, you could technically say he was trying to get an emotional response out of the people, as well as how is when he resurrected all of Coast City. You know that is true. So maybe these are just Black Lanterns. Period. Like just just every dead thing in the universe is now a Black Lantern, as opposed to just certain people. That's true. I could, I, I, I could see that. But otherwise, I mean, I just the the Star Trek stuff. I have really no um, connection to. I've said it before, uh, but it doesn't take away my enjoyment of this. This is my favorite issue of all of them. 
Um, I know there's some people out there who are not a big fan of the the GL uh, Star Trek uh, six issue mini, but I'm loving it. The color, and I should say the, the the creative team, written by Mike Johnson, art by Angel Hernandez, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, letters by Neil uh, Utaki, edits by IDW Publishing Sarah Gatos and DC Entertainment's Jim Chadwick. Um, I just to throw it out there, I I tweeted uh, Mike Johnson. Uh, let him know that we were enjoying it, and he might be up for coming on the show after the uh, six issues are up. So That would be nice. That'd be cool. I'd like to talk with him about it. But yeah, uh, shout out to Alejandro Sanchez, the colorist. Freaking loving these colors, man. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this issue, I think, was definitely, overall, I would say this issue was the best, even with the... Even with the little Saint Walker issue that I would have, it still was. It was still not, and again, it's not how he, as you mentioned, it's not how he looks. It's just, it's just uh, been there, done that from a plot point of view. Plus, I'm kind of getting. Yeah. Plus, I'm kind of getting, and, and we'll get into this in more detail shortly. But I'm getting kind of getting sick of this new version of Saint Walker. And even though you can't say that's really necessarily that's how he was going to act because he's unconscious, but I'm, <laughs> I, I, but the point is, it's, it's not a good sign. Let's put it that way. I want, I want real Saint Walker back, and I'm getting sick and tired of getting this, you know, this post, almost like this postmodernist manic depressive Saint Walker is just making me ill. Um, For sure. Anything else? No, I think that that might be the so far. I'd say that's the winner of the first of the first what three issues we've gone through. <laughs> For sure. All right. Next issue. Lost Army. Lost Army. Take it away. Green Lantern, Lost Army number four. Now a four. (laughs) We can say four of six. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to try to wrap. I'm going to try to be quick on this one because in all honesty, I don't think there's a huge amount to go into. Um, And I'll do the creative team towards the end because that's when the actual splash page in the title issue is uh, given. Uh, we pick up where we left off, where Arisia pretty much was, you know, her ring was out of out of juice, and she was starting to suffocate. Uh, of course, John Stewart, like a good like a good cliffhanger, John Stewart, you know, he flies in, he uses his ring to be, you know, initiate restore, uh, excuse me, resuscitate, resuscitation procedures, and to keep her alive. Uh, John's group is engaged, you know, engaging the light pirates, and they're not doing a particularly good job because pretty much as fast, as quickly as they can destroy, you know, one of these, you know, the rings just keep getting drained more and more and more. Um, their power levels are, you know, are, are down to 25% and dropping. Uh, at this point, the light pirates turn their attention to Relic Ship, and they start, you know, they start tearing through the hull. And pretty much, and you gotta love Chrome now. I mean, it probably is a smart move overall based on how things are going, but, but like, but because we know Krona, or maybe it's just me, every time Krona says something that's kind of suspect, you just see Krona being a dick. <laughs> it's like, think, and Relic makes, makes it clear that, you know, our shields are gonna hold for now, but not for much longer, and it goes, then get us out of here! We're no good to anybody dead! <laughs> so, of course, based on that little reference, <laughs> Uh, Relic ship along with Krona kind of like zips out of there, <laughs> and of course you know Kilowog's the first one to set, to acknowledge that you know they really didn't have a choice they were going to die if they stayed, um, you know so the light pirates pretty much circ- you know circled the Green Lanterns and before you know it all their rings have been drained of juice and they all fade into unconsciousness. 
Now we get what I'm sure undoubtedly is, <sighs> is <laughs> undoubtedly, which was just confirmed by that sigh, undoubtedly Chad's favorite moment of the book. <laughs> Yet another flashback to Afghanistan in which John and another Marine are carrying an injured Marine and, and you know, the other healthy Marines telling John, you just gotta, just gotta leave him. We're never gonna make it by taking him out. And the more injured Marine himself goes, leave me. I'm no good. Just leave me. And John's like, no, we can't leave him behind. And of course, they're trying, they're basically making their way through like a, an Afghan poppy field there. And, you know, the, you know, the, you know, before you know it, the Taliban, Taliban is after them. And, uh, <clears throat> the two, John and his healthy, uh, squad, squad mate there start getting ready to, Deal, uh, try to fight off the Taliban when, of course, he, his his uh, the other Marine gets shot like right through the neck, and he's gone, and he's pretty much gone. Um, <clears throat> so John is willing to just surrender and give up. He goes, "This, hey, I'm giving up. I'll just just get my guys, you know, get my other guy over here, the the original guy who was hurt. Uh, just get him some medical attention. And I won't put up a and with a big with a big word, he gets smacked like in the back of the head with like an AK." Um, so then John wakes up in black jammies, <laughs> basically like almost like like almost like prison uniforms in a way, but they do kind of have an interesting uh, lot of almost like entry ports. Of which we'll yeah, find it reminds out. me of like the Matrix. Win, yes, but... yes, yes, plug-in ports, which is appropriate based on why they're essentially there. Uh, John wakes up to find Salik, who, who he's kind of surprised you know to see Salik, and luckily Salik. How convenient, also, but Salik knows Inc. has actually learned some English. So, because once again, we're dealing with much like, kind of like a, which made a really good episode on the, the uh, TV show, the animated series, when the rings all died and, and nobody could communicate with each other because they, because nobody could translate anymore. That luckily, John and Salik, you know, can still, still communicate, and we see John. We realize that besides, you know, John and Salik, in, in their little holding cell, there's a bunch of. of uh, lightsmiths from uh, <clears throat> Relics Universe that have also been captured. Um, John and Salak, you know, they, they talk. Salak pretty much says, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, we're kind of all prisoners waiting execution, and these light pirates are just, you know, they're just desperate to get it, to basically get as much light or get more light from any source possible. So basically, they keep taking all these lanterns and lightsmiths into like this chamber and they basically just through all those little matrix like plug-in ports they get like blasted with lasers and they get tortured and it's pretty pretty hideous to watch actually just to get some kind of emotional reaction out of the beings before they die and I guess the light pirates just harness this teeny tiny bit of energy but they really don't care basically light is light is light um so during this, you know, during this, you know, this torturing of Namooks was the Green Lantern being tortured, uh, like two six, you know, two six, and was that a, that's Arisia, and they're all pretty much watching this, and now we see we see Budge. Of course, I think no, it's Badge. Oh, that's right. I, I keep forgetting how technically we're supposed to pronounce it. I'll, just remind me once in a while. So it's Badge. Uh, almost nobody can under, almost no one can understand. Badge, we find out that I guess Salak can understand it a little, and because his language is more complicated than ours, <laughs> and basically he's he's discovered like a little like a little a little hole, basically a little platform in in the wall. You can pull off some of the the, the shielding on the wall. It's a little passageway, so he can go basically make his way into another holding cell. 
Uh, before he does that, we see Guy in Kilowog or in, or in another prison cell, and we find a little interesting tidbit, which is not necessarily surprising, I don't think, that the, basically they're all surrounded by light, by indigenous lightsmiths, and they're all, they're all fighting for whatever reason, maybe because, just because they're in prison and that's what they do. But Kilowog and John have a, I mean, Kilowog, excuse me, and Guy have a clear advantage because they obviously have been really trained from a martial arts point of view and just physically they've been trained to not rely on their rings entirely because as much as these indigenous lightsmiths are angry, they don't have nearly the, the raw fighting skills that John and Kilowog do. And kind of Kilo, Kilowog is going to make, trying to make a point. You know, there's a lesson to be learned there. Rely too much on the rings and, <laughs> and then Guy sticks just jumps in, you destroy the universe, which was not entirely Kilowog's point, but Guy is still accurate. Um, um, during all this, of course, when, when Guy and uh, Kilowog were fighting, they were kind of also having a little debate about John's approach to Relic and how he was, again, John, how he was so easily to embrace lying to, lying to Relic about everything and Debating the merits of, you know, maybe we could save Relic's universe, but doesn't that mean our universe will never be born? Um, Salak and John continue a little conversation about, and they talk about, you know, the cleaners. Uh, Badge shows up, and uh, basically we find out that Badge has figured out, you know, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, but through the ventilation systems and understanding where everything is, that it, you know he thinks he might be able to find our rings, and basically now we get this nice little pep talk from John about you know we may you know we may have you know basically we don't have our rings anymore, we may not have our staffs, but we're still lanterns and yada yada yada. You know that means we're more than just light wielders, and it's time to teach these pirates a lesson. That we just saw how good the, the uh, lightsmiths are without their rings. <laughs> so this issue was entitled Jailbreak. And writer Colin Bond, artist Javier Pina, colorist Chris Santamayor, letterer David Sharp, cover Guillaume March, and Andrew Marino, the assistant editor, Mike Cotton, the editor, and Eddie Braganza, of course, is the group editor. That's Lost Army. Numero cuatro. Now, Colin Bond's a good writer, so it's possible that he did this on purpose, uh, even though it's not probably in canon anymore. But I like how... Of the aliens, Kilowog and Salak are the ones who know how to speak English, um, and that Salak can understand uh, Badge, because if you remember way, way, way back in the Green Lantern Corps series, and I don't mean uh, after Rebirth, I mean when Green Lantern stopped being Green Lantern and became Green Lantern Corps, and um, there was a small group of Green Lanterns based on Earth, Salak... Chip and Kilowog were among that group. So it's interesting that Badge is part of Chip's race, and yep. Salak can understand Badge, and Kilowog and Salak can both speak English. I think that's cool. Yes, it's 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 kind of knowing your business, if you will, knowing the knowing the, knowing the history there. So that's, yeah, it's 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 too many coincidences to 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 be an accident. Uh, I guess it's still possible, but I think it's even though it's probably that that stuff is probably not in canon anymore. I think it's interesting that 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 those uh, those particular aliens know how to speak English. Well, we know it's in their... canon somewhere with the multiverse back. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. 
So what do you but think about your Afghanistan flashback? It's it's useless. It's utterly useless. I don't understand why it's here. And then, and if we get to issue six, and Cullen pulls it out of his butt, and you know it's it it all makes sense, then I will take it all back. But I honestly, it is utterly useless right now. Well, you know what the problem also is now that we now that as we get closer to issue six, and the odds are we're going to be seeing since. The odds are probably very, very strong that probably issues the first the six issues were already written probably before before you know were already turned in and everything before he knew this book was biting the big one since we're not having an official end to the storyline maybe he maybe he had time to rework issue six to at least give us a temporary closure until they pick up again well I guess we'll find out in two issues but what's really going to be intra that it's very likely that we're going to still see these flashbacks in issue five and issue six because he was planning on carrying these forward. And regardless of what, regardless of what anybody thinks about the, why they're there or the importance of them, what, as it turns out, it, it, it kind of like adds another log on the fire for what Chad's kind of saying too. Because even though your biggest, you know, your objection has been that it, you know it's kind of like redundant and doesn't get us anywhere, but also if you know this this book is ending in issue six and these flashbacks occur in every single issue, that's almost that's probably at least a uh, it's at least like oh, probably another book we could have gotten just a real story enough if you take out all the flashbacks. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to know that John Stewart is a hero and is not going to leave a man behind. <laughs> I already know that about John Stewart. You're telling that to me right now in his efforts to save Aresia. I don't need to see it again. I just like, look, guys. I understand that it's kind of hypocritical in a way of me to be saying this because I've always been saying we need more characterization moments. We need more, um, you know, uh, history and humans interacting with humans and stuff on earth and blah, blah, blah. But this is not the way to do it. This is the, the, the point that, that, that Cullen is trying to make about John Stewart and his level of character and, and who Jon Stewart is, he's already making in the story he's telling. It doesn't – and, and, and Mark used the perfect word a couple of seconds ago. Redundant. It is redundant. There is no need for it right now. But I thought the issue – I thought the issue was pretty good. I don't think it was my favorite issue of Lost Army up to this point. I might, it might be – it might be my least favorite in all honesty. Uh, but – but to be fair, I'm not sure if some of that was uh, influenced by the fact that now that now we know we're living on borrowed time for getting a resolution to this storyline. Well, one one thing of note that we we'd be remiss to not point out: notice that they are not just draining the rings, but they're draining the beings themselves of whatever flickers of emotions they can, which means we have it within us, uh, or the creatures. From our universe, because remember, they're getting it from him. Right. Uh, have it within them to power emotion somehow. Now, I don't know what emotion he's emitting there. It looks orange. But it's got to be fear, though, you would think. Yeah, you don't You don't know. So, we, we you, you, you don't know. But what I'm saying is, we've been saying for a long time that, you know... Lanterns are beings themselves who are trained in the ways of the rings should be able to power their own rings uh, if need be. Um, 
because of their long exposure to and, and experience with wielding those emotions. Well, here's a little hint of it right there. Yes. Otherwise, I don't have much else to say about this. Do you like the guy in Kilowog fighting back to back? As they're having their philosophical debate about John's leadership and, and the whole, and the philosophical aspects of, you know, if we can if we could save Relic's universe, should we? <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that. I, I actually do like, I do, which is kind of ironic because of all this, all this buildup of, of John Stewart in this, in this title. And, and maybe again because as we, the, the word of our, you know, our review here redundant because it's being beaten over the head so much with how heroic he is. Maybe, maybe it's just because it's a natural contrast, but I kind of really like maybe more so even how guys coming across in this, in this mini as it's going to turn out to be. Yeah, I do. I do like, I do like guys characterization. I like because God, because you you can make a strong case with guys saying is absolutely, absolutely correct. That when you, you know, when you're telling that, that big of a lie that could have so, so many repercussions and not even just because of pissing relic off now, but like we kind of talked, you and I talked about previously that who knows, maybe, maybe some of his interaction with, during this event, you know, if you're trying to look at the, like the closed theory of time travel where something like this happened, really did happen you know, in Relic's universe to, to lead him into ours. And they basically just, we're, we're seeing something basically that really was, has always happened or always will happen. That maybe this is a, a deep-seated or or not so deep-seated, maybe it's at the t- you know, a memory of that Relic has of dealing with of, of lanterns and dealing with lightsmiths, which is part of the reason he hates them so much and why he has he sees no redeeming value in them when he gets sucked into our universe. So the fact that, you know, jo- when John Stewart is seemingly so, he's he's walking this fine line on some level, but he seems to not realize. He kind of does know that he's kind of potentially messing with the time stream, but yet maybe you know, but it doesn't. But he doesn't really seem to care, and maybe in a way by not caring again, like the self-fulfilling prophecy of trying of like Anakin not trying to save Padme, and basically by doing that he ends up helping lead you know lead to her death. The same thing that John trying, you know, not really caring about, you know, we don't, we can't afford to worry about what we're doing with the time stream here. Basically, he's going to help guarantee that Relic's going to come back and do what he does. To do what he does. I don't know. I, 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 I do think Guy is. I do think Guy raises a lot of good points, and I, it's kind of good to see Guy be, in a way, look. Instead of just being the hothead, Guy being more of the, the looking actually maybe at the a bigger picture approach to this, even than John thinks that he is. So. All right, guys, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we will talk about all the Lobo stuff. When you think of podcasts about religion, you probably think of this. But at least one religion podcast sounds more like this. I kick ass for the Lord. Dorkness to Light is a relatively geeky production in which Alan and Emily discuss topics of faith, religion, and spirituality. But we do so through the lens of pop culture, like movies, TV, and comic books, because we're nerds. Our primary focus will be on Christianity, because that's what we know best. But all religious content is on the table. Well, think about it, Scully, from vampirism to Catholicism. 
This is an occasional cast to be recorded and released as the mood strikes, with topics ranging from in-depth reviews to personal rants about some small aspect of theology or church history, because we're theological nerds. If these topics interest you, check out dorknesstolight.blogspot.com for our more regular content. Or dorknesstolight.tumblr.com for our more irregular content. Memes and puns, mostly. My bad. Dorkness to light. Often irreverent, rarely sacrilegious. In February 2014, a new podcast dedicated to the Marvel Comics character, Adam Warlock, debuted. And the internet broke in half. Well... Not really. Far from it, to be honest. But a few of you actually noticed, and we thank you for that. Over the course of 2014, we covered all of Adam's Silver Age adventures and have started on his Bronze Age solo series, as well as his current appearance in two Thanos specials. But it's time for a change. So I'm sad to announce that episode 20 will be the last episode of Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. However, I am pleased to announce that in 2015, we will premiere the first episode, which we will call Episode 21, of Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Yes, the show is continuing, but now with more Thanos. Each month, we have John M. Wilson on as we cover an issue of Warlock, and the other episode of the month we will continue to have Brian Zeno on to cover Thanos' appearances, starting with Captain Marvel 25. So join us in 2015 for Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Now with 20% more Thanos. Tangent, an abrupt change of course. Tangent, to go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. I'm waking up to action dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. All right, guys, and we are back. 
Okay, so uh, definitely check out those podcasts that we just played promos for. I don't know which ones I'm putting in there, but they. But have... they're all good. So listen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we are going to start with uh, the Lobo number one, the annual, um, and I uh, yeah, I'm just gonna. I don't think it's. I'm going to be really brief in my recap here. Okay. Shit happens. We're done. All right. No. Um, Not that brief, Chad. <laughs> uh, a, uh, a yellow ring seeks out a particular guy. We get a, a name for him, but it doesn't really matter because right as a yellow ring is about to welcome him to the Sinestro Corps, he gets shot through the face by Lobo. What Lobo is doing is he is chasing down these rings as they hunt for new recruits, capturing the rings, and then containing them. It looks like he's got four or five yellow rings. What he's trying to do is he's trying to bait Sinestro because Lobo obviously is a bounty hunter, and he's got a contract out for Sinestro right now, so he's trying to take take down Sinestro. Well, his his ring plan is not working, so he's over. Uh, he's killing some time and relaxing over on the pleasure oasis, uh, which is kind of cool. There's a whole backstory to that, but he then uh, gets called to go take care of some business. Um, his uh, he, he tells the guy, you know, I, you know why I'm here. Um, you know, how so? How do I draw Sinestro out? Uh, well, there might be another way, my dear boy, but it will be involved something of a rescue mission. And over on Reaper Prison, uh, it's a decommissioned prison, uh, this crazy-ass alien is uh, kind of warden of this place. You know, please let us out. We didn't do anything. And then Lobo shows up and takes on all of his guards and him, um, rips off people's arms, sustains some wounds himself, decapitates the, the this warden who still talks. Uh, after being beheaded, and it turns, <laughs> it turns, it turns out that this guy and one of his cells has a group of uh, seven or so Korgarians. So one of them stands up to him to Lobo and says, "Who are you? Some new oppressor come to torment us? Well, I won't let you. I won't let anyone else treat us that way again. I'll fight you with everything I have left." And Lobo goes, "Yeah." You'll do. So basically what Lobo does is tosses this particular Korgarian uh, in a spacesuit with a, a lifeline attached to his ship, which I'm assuming surprised some sort of oxygen or something. Uh, and all the rest of the Korgarians are in Lobo's ship. So he's dangling this Korgarian out there as bait. Well, surprise, surprise, the yellow construct comes ripping through his ship. And it's not Sinestro. It instead is Carousel, Rajan Kale, Des Trevenius, Sora, Arkillo, uh, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> and they are uh, all taking on uh, Lobo. Uh, Sora is tasked by Arkillo with going and getting the Korgorians. Um, uh, everybody takes on you know Lobo and you know starts beating the crap out of him. Uh, he gets a good couple good shots in first, but then he, uh, they all go off after him. 
he got a pretty good hit on Arkillo, and Arkillo comes back after all the others have their turn with uh, Lobo. He grabs Lobo by both arms and just kind of pulls him apart. Not really like rips him apart where his arm separates from his body, but just kind of expands him, and it's uh, it's gross. <laughs> his skin tears and his muscle tears and his bones break probably. And they just leave him floating in the ether. Uh, then they take off for the Corgarians. And then, of course, because Lobo is a Cesarnian and he doesn't die easily and he can heal himself, he mends himself. He's fully back to normal. Um, and it turns out he's done the same thing to his ship. His ship is uh, got some high-tech upgrades that allows it to repair itself. Um, so he's fully repaired. It's fully repaired. And one thing they didn't know is that he put some tracking devices in the Corrigarians. So he follows them over to New Corrigar. He lands supposedly discreetly. Uh, and he loads himself up with weapons. Uh, and then he starts stalking out and tracing down these Corrigarians. The um, uh, leader of the Corrigarians on New Corrigar, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, um, Umaral uh, is talking to the new arrivals, uh, and you know obviously they have some problems with Sinestro leading them. Uh, uh, so she's trying to convince him. Meanwhile, Sinestro has snuck up behind Lobo. They go after one another. Um, at, after a few minutes, uh, uh, Lobo releases. These, uh, what does he call them? Uh, null void energy siphons, which are small little uh, tech devices that siphon some of Sinestro's energy. They're uh, evidently their reservoirs aren't big enough to drain his ring, but it's enough to where he it'll limit the amount of constructs that Sinestro can create. Um, so he's getting the better of Lobo, and then finally Lobo just kind of goes brute force on him and starts beating the tar out of Sinestro. He's got him pinned, and then he says, that's enough. I've seen what I need to see. Cancel the contract. Passcode Gamma12111 Beta75812121. And then the contract on Thal Sinestro is canceled. Payment in full has been processed. Basically, Sinestro took out a contract on himself, uh, called out a hit on himself, so that he could judge Lobo's skills. Um, and then he says, well, why? Because I wish to retain your services. The Sinestro Corps is poised to accomplish great things, but we have many enemies, enemies I'd like for you to destroy on my behalf. And um, not the end continued in September's Lobo number 10 and Sinestro number 15. And donde está la creative? <laughs> Oh, we assume Colin Bunn's the writer. Yep, yep, yep. Did I just really do the yup yup thing that the aliens do? The the puppets? What are they called? You know what I'm talking about? You know those puppets that yep, 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 yep. You know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. I don't remember if it was the Muppets or if it was on Sesame Street, but there are these little aliens that just go yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like, that's all they say. Uh, never mind. Whatever. Uh, I don't know if they have a, even have a name. I'm sure they do. I'm paging through the shit. Of, here it is. There it is. There it is. Colin Bunn Ryder, Robson Rocha Pencils, Guillermo Ortego Inks, uh, Blonde is the colors, 
Travis Lanham is the letters. Paul Cam Kaminsky is the associate editor. Mike Cotton is the editor. Eddie Verganza is the group editor. Uh, Leonard Macko did the cover. Lobo created by Roger Slifer and Keith Giffen. <sighs> I wish they'd do that with all DC mainstay characters, but whatever. Um, what'd you think? I'm not a big Lobo guy. It was not a. I mean, as far as and to me, even I still see Lobo as you know pre New Fifty Two Lobo, <laughs> mm-hmm. which still was a dick. He just looked. He was a much more physically intimidating <laughs> dick. Uh, it wasn't. A, it was. It wasn't a bad story. It was kind of. It was knowing the way Sinestro's mind works. Only Sinestro would kind of put a hit out on himself. <laughs> It's, so that part, I don't necessarily see that being really being out of character. Uh, as we're going to see in the next two issues, I do. Uh, I kind of have an issue with what exactly happens, uh, and that Lobo's the one doing it. I kind of have a problem with that too. Uh, but as far as this issue goes, it was, it was, you know, it was basically set up. It was kind, it was, it was set up to. Uh, it was nice to see Arkillo actually not not get totally his ass handed to him for a change because he just that seems to be his lot in life these days. <laughs> hey, hey, Arkillo, go do this for me. Okay, boom. <laughs> but hi, bird. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He he is he is the loyal you know the loyal lapdog that keeps getting his ass handed to him, but just. Doesn't really doesn't know any better. I can't do it. That's just what he is. He can't do. So I don't know. I like the art. Yeah, that's the I one mean, thing. That's I've the... come to I've, I've come to accept that this is that this is the way Lobo is going to look. Yeah, now. I mean, I'm, but, I'm getting but there. it looks it looks great. Otherwise, no, I agree. I think I think that's that's at least the the common thread here with with the. We almost have to say at the Sinestro books at this point, Lobo and and Sinestro, which is that the art for the most part is pretty good. So it was a nice little prologue, you will, to what's to what happens next. I like that Lobo um, is smart, like, uh, and he was always smart in the like pre New Fifty Two. Like he was, he was a little more brash uh, pre New Fifty Two. He definitely kind of went in with the indestructible, strong guy attitude and just like, you know, something happens, I'll figure out a way. But he was he, – he always did try and learn stuff about his targets, and here he knows freaking everything. Like he always has the information he needs. Like sure, there are some curveballs thrown to him, but there's a moment where like he says – let's see. When the Sinestro Corcos shows up, he says, Carousel. Surrounds herself with predators created by a ring. Rajin Kale, a homicidal rage machine from a barbaric world. Des Tribus, outcast from a planet of Templar assassins. I've had run-ins with his people before. This girl, I don't recognize, Sora. Um, uh, the Brute, calling the shots as Arkillo. Records say he's the last of his kind. Might have even killed other every other member of his species. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he's he's got, like, dossiers on all these people. Uh, now, whether they were supplied to him by Sinestro as a, you know, as a thing, uh, a condition of him taking the contract or some things that he just researched himself before taking the contract or, or what, it doesn't matter. Like, he's smart. Like, he tags the Korgarians. 
he has the plan of getting baiting Sinestro with the rings, and he can't figure one out. And then he was like, "Oh, Corrigarians!" You know, someone supplies him with that knowledge, and he dangles the Corrigarians out in front of him. Like he's smart. He's a smart bounty hunter. So that's cool. I don't really have much else to say about. It. I mean, the the art is great. The um, the story so far. I mean, just just talking the story so far with with Lobo the annual. Um, I haven't had any new Fifty Two Lobo experience. So this is it so far, and so far I like it. I would agree with that. I mean, I it was not a character I would be drawn to on on its own, but Cullen Bunn's doing a good job, like he's doing with Sinestro. So it, it and Lost Army overall. So it makes sense that it would certainly increase the odds that I'm I'm certainly going to be checking out Lobo at least until his interactions with you know with all the with the different lanterns, including Hal, come to come to an end. Well, I'm going to keep. Assuming this, assuming this is still a relatively small, you know, sample of issues that that's going to happen, and whether I keep reading it after the fact, that's still up in the air. But I certainly will continue reading it at least through uh, Lobo's role in interacting with the other Lantern Corps. Okay, uh, number ten. Lobo number ten with the like nice little banner on top of Sinestro Rising. Did, did the annual have that? No. Uh, I don't think so. So we begin on Nock. Obviously, the way with Indigo once uh, meditating there it looks a little chilly on Nock. Uh, <clears throat> we kind of get a little. We kind of get Lobo's. No, Lobo is a narrator, so we kind of get his take on, you know, on what you know the Indigo Lanterns are supposed to be. In case people didn't know, you know, about, basically it's like a primer for people who didn't know about how they were killers and basically they bring brainwashed essentially by you know by the rings or controlled by the rings. I like I like I like this moment because it reminds me of kind of like in Age of Ultron when Tony Stark's talking and the Vision just walks up past him and goes, "Yes, he hates you most of all." <laughs> he does that's true. He does hate you most of all. That when when uh, Lobo talks about Indi- about the Indigo tribe going, Sinestro hates all the Lantern Corps, but he hates these guys most of all. Which of course relates back to that storyline right when the like, what was like issue ten and eleven or whatever it was somewhere in that in the in the after the first couple of story arcs ended of uh, the New Fifty Two when Sinestro and Hal ended up on Knock when we got the origin of the uh, Indigo Tribe when we when Indigo One tried to basically brainwash uh, Sinestro into it being a Indigo Tribe member. Uh, well, we find out, you know, well, her, uh, Indigo One's meditation is is disrupted by a completely <laughs> insane <"Rah!" laughs> Not, a monk who is missing his ring hand. So it kind of makes sense why, to a certain extent, why he's so dangerous. Maybe not why he's so mindless, but he's got his ring hand is gone. So he's basically attacking her with the staff, and this kind of gets a little old real quick because oh, because basically it's beautiful art, but all we have is. All we have is Monk going, ar, 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 and all we have is Indigo 1 going, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> but Indigo 1, who I think should be a little better at handling herself, despite the fact that she's you know, not expecting Monk to be the one of all people to attack her, she's kind of like on the ground looking relatively helpless. And then at that moment, you know, basically Lobo comes in from behind and literally rips Monk completely apart. Uh, so... That's kind of a shocking moment. So now we have one big lantern that we all have known certainly since Blackest Night, and he and he bought the farm like in about five minutes. 
Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Lobo's cleaning off his weapons, and you know, you know, basically, we find out Lobo's got a whole collection of basically ring hands of, in, of Indigo tribe members because he's been basically cut, cutting their hands off to make them not only powerless but basically mindless again, if you will, because they're now they're going back to their killer ways. Uh, not Lobo, just Indigo hands. Well, I, that is true. That is true. There are other there are other rings there too. Yeah, there's some reds. Is that a blue? Yep. Which is weird because there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any blues. Really. Which is weird because this it almost looks like the same it almost looks like the same hand as the one right above the indigo tribe hand. It's like you see the red at the top of the page and then it looks like it's almost like the same two hand by by color and by by design. But either way, yeah. So it's not all indigo tribe hands. All but the but there are other ring, under other ring wielders as well. But obviously there are a bunch of Indigo tribe members because Indigo one uses this as a defense to try to uh, fend off Loba by by bringing by activating the rings. And one of the Indigo tribe rings goes on his finger, and he, as soon as it does, he can see it basically trying to you know brainwash him. But he has an interesting solution to the problem, so he eventually so he essentially bites off his ring finger. <clears throat> and Indigo One can, you know, she pretty much is getting her, for the most part, she's getting her ass handed to her. And for some strange reason, uh, she, he didn't really expect Indigo One to run, which I'm not quite sure why he wouldn't think she would if she had no other choice, considering her power set. But she teleports out of there. Uh, Lobo goes, you know, guess these lanterns have got some tricks even I haven't figured out, which again is weird if Sinestro is putting him on the path. You would think teleportation would have been one of the first things that would be mentioned. Um. Uh, uh, so he just mentions how you know he that was pretty fun doing what he did with the lanterns, and this job is turning out to be more interesting than I thought it would be. About time I checked in with the boss, which of course is Sinestro. So you know, Lobo shows up with with his bag of rings, and Indigo. One, I mean, and, and uh, excuse me, Sinestro goes, you know, tell me that Indigo One's ring is in that. It's in that bag, and he goes, "Well, she kind of slipped away." And of course, Becca likes, you know, feeding the fire, and she goes, uh, "You know, it sounds like the words of a coward." Which, of course, uh, for some that didn't really, for someone who really likes Becca, that didn't do a lot for Sinestro because he pretty much uh, uh, gives her the look, <laughs> and uh, she just goes, "Oh, I just remembered, I got to be somewhere else." And Sinestro points out, "You know, my disdain from the Indigo Lanterns is no secret. They've eluded me for too long." <laughs> Um, Sinestro and Sinestro and Lobo pretty much talk uh, about the, you know about their about their next targets and everything else. Sinestro, so after that little pep talk, if you will, um, <clears throat> we have old Lobo's going basically is dealing with Bleez and Rancor because his next quest is to take them out. Rancor pretty much doesn't get you know he. He's all fueled up and raged and everything else, so he doesn't really care about. It. He doesn't really think a lot in this, and this is kind of what his downfall is. And long, you know, and long story short, she, he pretty much outthinks Rancor, and he ends up killing Rancor, which is pretty disappointing. Again, so the second major lantern that we've seen, at least in, since the New 52 era, this one is the we've seen, and he is gone. 
at the hands of Lobo. He takes Lobo's ring, and he, you know, and, and Blee sees this from a distance. We're going, I will avenge you, brother. And she flies off into this really weird, almost like almost like a cathedral, like made of like almost like out of bones too. But she's she shows she shows back up, and we hear you know. You know, off panel like please what has transpired? She goes, "My lord, tragedy has befallen one of our brothers. It was Rancor. It was like he was struck down by a Cesarian bounty hunter. Yada yada." Uh, then we hear, "This will not stand. The Red Lanterns do not yield." And then we have a pretty cool panel that of that of that freaky looking, I guess Rage Mother as she's called, holding up this, the the new Red Central Power Battery, and we find out that who's been talking to Blee's all this time. Is we don't know why or how yet, but it is Atrocitus, along with of course Dexter, and he's cool. He's kind of like wearing robes this time, almost you know, like almost like clerical robes, at least from the waist down. And it's like we've waited in the shadows of the Rage Mother, as the Rage Mother perfected our new rings, but no longer. We shall have our revenge. The Red Lantern Corps shall rise. We will take the Hunter's head. Next issue, Rage. So, I now, liked it. Love the art. The art is great. The art is great. Uh, it really hit me, uh, especially when we got to the kind of half double page spread of uh, Rancor and Blees flying through space. Yes, looked really awesome there. I still have an issue with all these major characters. At least Rancor, you'd have to. I mean, I think Monk Monk is definitely a B tier character, but he has importance in the realm of the emotional spectrum. Rancor obviously has been a much more important character, certainly since the New Fifty Two. Uh, so I kind of have a problem with them, but both of those characters being killed off the way they were in this, in a book like this. I think, I think some thinning of the herd and when it comes to lanterns is, is, is probably necessary. But the reds, the reds are almost non-existent to begin with. Well, yes, but would you rather him kill Blees? Like, which, which do you buy more, him killing Blees or him killing Rancor? Oh yeah, if, if, if you had to pick, if you had to pick your poison, exactly. just like yes, if I had to pick between Indigo One and Monk, yes, I'd, yeah, I, would, exactly. I, I would pick Monk. But they're still, we're still talking about some of the upper echelon of their respective Lantern cores. So I, I, I still have an issue with Lobo being the character to do it, and I still have an issue with it not happening in a Lantern proper book. Which, of course, to a certain extent, we don't have a choice because there really is no book right now, which is all encompassing. Of all the lantern cores, we don't have a book like that right now. Uh, well, well, Lobo is a bounty hunter. That's what he does. No, so. I, 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 un, I understand. I'm not, I'm not mad. I don't mean Lobo because I think that he should have morals and not do it. I just don't have it. I have an issue with with Lobo as a character, from a point of view of who is he in the DC universe and, and the and the relevance or importance of him. That's I, what I mean. He is the DC universe bounty hunter. Yeah. I know. I <laughs> like Sinestro's in space, and he needs some space people hunted down and eliminated from his list. You're gonna go to the DC Universe bounty hunter to do it. I think I'm questioning more that that he should be as effective at it with some of these characters. Maybe Ran- Rancor is relatively inexperienced. Okay, Monk is fairly experienced, so I don't know. Um, I don't know. I let's put it this way: if they don't, if they kill, if they friggin' kill off Dex. Dexter or Blees, I'm going to be really pissed. Let's put it that way. As opposed, Dexter looks weird. He does look weird, but but you know, and I like to know what the, I like to know how Atros. I was pondering this not that long ago, so it's not surprising that I, I think that Atrocitus is back. It hasn't been that long that he's been off the table, but especially now that 
The question is, where was he? Because you assume these guys got sent to, like, Mogo or something to be in prison. So then if Mogo gets yanked out of the universe, then why weren't they yanked out too? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we're going to get an explanation for what, how it, you know, what, not only why is Atrocitus back, but why Bleez and Rancor were essentially back in bed with this guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an issue if he's going to have as much success when he's dealing with the upper echelon of every core, and I think that's what the problem is. Well, I think it makes sense that Monk was taken out too and why he was so mindless and crazy is because uh, if you remember that storyline you referenced with uh, Sinestro on Nock and uh, Sinestro and Hal on Nock, uh, uh, Indigo 1 was the only one that was truly uh, rehabilitated by the, the uh, Indigo ring. Well, remember when the rings right. went dead, she was the only one who kept her head, and Monk was one of the ones who was still nuts. But was so, he? But was he snarling like that? I don't remember if he was snarling the same way. Maybe I, maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. But that, that's what I'm saying is, um, you know, it, getting rid of his ring and having him be mindless and attacking. Uh, I, he's got obviously the pain of losing a hand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Plus, plus, plus the. Plus the uh, rage of being, you know, kind of woken up from, because I, I, if I remember right, they were all kind of aware of what was happening, but just kind of under the throes. Right, of and the, that's kind of what my issue is. My issue is that they may have all been killers, but they all weren't all drooling maniacs. I, I mean, know. They, so I guess that's. But I don't mean. But again, to be honest, I don't. I would have to go back and and reread that story arc to see if they were all if after the you know the battery went down and they were all kind of like. Were, whether the majority of them, the people who had had the rings and were truly, you know, if you were your classic killers that had the indigo type ring, whether they all were like almost like foaming at the mouth as opposed to someone like Black Hand who instantaneously remembered who he was. So it might have to do with who you are, who you are and how you end up getting the ring. as a, But but it's also true. Monk, you would think Monk has had the ring second longest, you would think. So you would think, he, I mean... Just because he's second in command doesn't necessarily mean he's had it second longest. Yeah, That is true. It does not mean that. I have always taken... I would I would, have, I would assume that, though. But I don't know. Uh, hmm. um, you remember what knock means? I know they told us, told, told it to us once. It was one of the few words they to, let, it, let us in on. And it's a phrase. Knock is a phrase. It's not just one word. Let's see if I can dig it up. Because it's because I meant a few different. Because I think there were a few different things that it could mean. Obviously, we know it. We know it obviously meant the planet, but it also meant. Let's see if we get the definition. Do 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 do. While you're looking that up, art again looks great. Um, uh, you mentioned it at the beginning of your recap. Uh, especially with that, I'm assuming that uh, mostly that splash with uh, uh, Monk attacking uh, Indigo it looks really great right there. Indigo in particular looks awesome. Um, I think any issues I have with the art come from the small panel that the artist is working with as opposed to the artist's abilities. So the smaller the panel, that's usually when I have more of an issue um with it but it looks it looks it looks great um i kind of agree with you lobo not expecting her to teleport away 
seems sort of out of character based on what we've seen him do against other lanterns and the things he seems to know. Yeah, because that so. would, that should you know, that should be that should be one of the things, the primary things in a dossier about the Indigo Tribe. I mean, you would think you know right there. I don't really buy. Uh, I mean, I I, I I buy Becca being catty like this. Sounds like the words of a coward, but I don't know if I buy her backing down from a look from Sinestro like that that quickly. I don't know. Like she, she seemed to like cower before Sinestro. And the last time we saw her interact with Sinestro, I don't think like she was coming to accept him, but she wasn't. She, Becca's a new god warrior. Like I don't, I don't know how I feel about her. The, the only word I can think of is cowering, cowering to Sinestro like this. Uh, I just remembered I'm needed elsewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I think it, I think knock basically means make compassion be with you. Okay, so it's kind of like all will be well. Kind yeah, of thing. I think I I think so, but it, I can't exactly find everything that we're looking for in, in a hurry. But I think that's yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, the art, you know, but the the art is exceptionally good. Uh, the con- I want this I want this guy on a regular lantern title. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because Indigo One, I mean Indigo One kind of looked different on some of these panels, but not necessarily bad different. Yeah, she kind of looked more, I guess, more earthly on some, on some levels, I think. Uh, so, it was a good issue. I mean, I, I like the, I like the concept of, you know, in a way of, I, I understand why Sinestro would want to do this. I mean, we know, we know how Sinestro is, so uh, it makes. It makes sense. It's just like I said. It's, maybe I would have less. Maybe I would have less of an, like I said, less of an issue with it if some of this was occurring in an actual lantern book. But, but like I said, also we don't have much of a choice right now. Right. <laughs> we right, don't have right. a choice. We, there is no all-encompassing lantern book. I mean, in a way, Sinestro is the only real book right now, de- along with Lost Army, which are both buns, dealing with any kind of um, the the real emotional spectrum right now. So. All right. Anything else about uh, Lobo Ten? No, I think think that's good. All right. Round us out with round Sinestro us out with Sinestro 15. Ten. Fifteen, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, following Lobo Ten, uh, Sinestro face off against Lobo, which of course is one of those great misleading covers. Uh, nicely drawn, but misleading. <laughs> Colin Bunn, Ethan Van Skyver. Nice to see him back, even though we'll talk about his Saint Walker as we do this. <laughs> Uh, so on the hunt is the actual name of the the issue, the internal title. Uh, Cullen Bunn mentioned Van Skyver as the artist. Ethan, Jason Wright's the colorist. Dave Sharp is the letterer. Brad Walker did the cover, along with Drew Hennessy. Uh, let's see, we have the along with and, and Jason Wright and the 75th anniversary cover. Ryan Sook did that one. Brian Sook who was on uh, the Spectre. I believe uh, assistant editor Mar- Eddie Marino, Mike Cotton, and of course, last but not least, group editor Eddie Berganza. So we begin on the planet Arklu in Sector 2828, and this planet pretty much is, is, is a relatively barren planet with all these really emaciated, uh, hungry, thirsty aliens. And we see essentially, for lack of a better way of describing it, St. Walker is kind of doing some missionary work here. Uh, you know, he's 
you know, he's trying, you know, he's trying to give them water. He's trying to take take care of them. They all kind of like start panicking because they're they're desperate to get water, and you know, he instinctively uses his ring as to to put up a shield. You know, same Walker apologizes. You know, he wishes there was more he could do. You know, I'll return soon, bringing more if I can find it. He goes over to one figure that's hooded and he goes, "It's not much, but I have a, but a little water might help." And of course, uh, uh, Sam Walker's wrist gets grabbed. It turns out it's by Lobo, of course, and spilling the water, which kind of sucks considering the circumstance. Uh, and he goes, "The name's Lobo, and you're Sam Walker, right? The Blue Lantern, Messenger of Hope." He goes, "Kind of hypocritical, isn't it? You're trying to sow the seeds of optimism when you're borderline hopeless yourself." Um, so you might have given me a run for the money, but your ring requires the light of a Green Lantern to make it work at full capacity, and they're in short supply these days, so you're an easy kill. So he basically bit slaps poor Saint Walker and knocks him unconscious. I did kind of like I I liked the the idea behind this that all you know all the poor the the weakened and the hungry and and the, the thirsty that Saint Walker has been taking care of they all rally that you know to try to def, you know defend Saint Walker. And of course, Lobo being a dick, he pretty much kills them. He pretty much kills a bunch of them, and he punk and he steps on, you know, the water, uh, like the, the canteen of Saint Walker, and lets all the water comes out, and basically threatens, threatens them if they even, you know, think of water again. Blah 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 blah. At this point, of not quite sure from where, but a Sinestro, you know, but a Sinestro core ring once again lands on, on Lobo's finger or comes to Lobo. Um, we got a nice little splash page, which is nice, which is where the on the hunt uh, introduction with the creative team is on uh, the page. It's all on when he get, puts the ring on his finger. He looks really cool, but of course, once again, he just cuts off his finger. Uh, the ring rejected, and it goes seeking alternate alternative host. He just picks up uh, Saint Walker and he carries him. We end up back, you know, with you know. With Sinestro and Becca and the rest of the Sinestro Corps, <laughs> and Lobo's kind of funny here, and he goes, "How many fingers do I have to cut off before you take the hint? You can't force me to become one of your lanterns." He goes, "It was amusing the first couple of times, but you know, I'm kind of getting sick of it." And of course, Becca is. Uh, Becca takes this opportunity to pretty much stand stand up to Lobo, and Lobo kind of like just stares her down too and goes, "You know." You think I can't sense you? You're trying to get in my head, you know, trying to basically make me fall in love with you. And it's like, well, it won't do you any good. Those em- emotions died a long time ago. Uh, and Lobo is kind of having a few words with Sinestro, going, "I know what you're trying to do with that ring. You're trying to basically, you know, leash me to you." And it's like, uh, and Sinestro is just like, you know, you've made it clear, you know, you, you don't want to be a member or whatever. And it's like, you, your services are strictly freelance, and I've honored that that arrangement. The rings chose you because of your frightening presence. You know, they, they are drawn to it like flies to rotting meat, which is interesting. And then we have really a really cool splash page, well, not a true splash page, but a, a panel of a lot of like of monitor screens, where we all see basically scenes from uh, pretty much Blackest Night, I think. I think all of them are from Blackest Night. Uh, and... Uh, Sinestro keeps going on about you know there's so many ring wielders even the you know even without the Green Lanterns and each one is a threat to his agenda, and your job is to you know basically hunt them down to just to you know so do your job and and Lobo's like sure yeah I'll fine but you know no more yellow rings or our conversation is going to be quite a bit more unpleasant next time. Uh, we have uh, well, Lissa Drax pretty much comes to Lobo and she's tr- Lissa Drax is trying to essentially you know seduce him. 
uh, seemingly with her having her, her own agenda, which at first Sinestro, I mean, at first Lobo doesn't quite know what she's up to since she knows that he knows that she's pretty much Sinestro's right hand woman there. So that's obviously setting the stage for another plot that's going to be coming. And we have poor Saint Walker, which is kind of pointless to have him in cuffs, but he's basically in energy uh, shackles on his hands and his and handcuffs on his wrists. And you know, Sinestro goes, "You must forgive, you know, the bindings, but even in your weakened state, you could pose difficult difficulties for me, you know, if you become unruly." You know, and Saint Walker first thinks he's talking about, "Well, even if I did try to escape, there's so many yellow lanterns." And he goes, "I'm not. No, I think you, you you misunderstand me. Pretty much, it's like I'm not worried about the fact that you might escape. I'm just worried about that if you try to escape, then my my yellow lanterns are going to kill you." And that's when you know Saint Walker pretty much says, "I mean, uh, Sinestro, excuse me, kind of reveals that he's got plans for Saint Walker. He sees potential in Saint Walker, that he knows what Saint Walker's power is." That all you know, how it can heal, how it can you know, the, the hope, how it can supercharge all the rings, and you know he would like basically Saint Walker to help him since the Green Lanterns are gone, that he wants Saint Walker to help him and ally with him to basically help his core, and you know Sinestro uh, is being very persuasive, but you know Saint Walker has to keep you know pointing out that you know pretty much his own, my ring it's only going to work with greens. Um, you know, but Saint Saint Walker, at least from Sinestro's point of view, Saint Walker is being told that you know there's maybe there's ways to work around this. You know, we we really you know how little you know about how these rings of ours you know work, kind of implying there's more underneath the surface. And basically, Saint Walk to try to convince Saint Walker of his intent, we see you know War World Land. He's a war world slash war world and ranks pretty much at this point. Land on our clue, and all you know all the beings that Saint Walker was trying to save. We see you know an army of manhunters come out, and for, and Saint Walker's versus you know almost panicking. It's like what are you doing? These people are peaceful. You cannot use use them as in the manhunters against them. You can't make an example of them. He goes, well, if that's what I wanted to. Of course I could, but then we see this you know the manhunters take out these huge containers, and at first it looks like they're going to smash these beings with them, but we find out basically what St. Walker has been bringing down in all these containers, excuse me, Sinestro has been using the Manhunters to bring down tons of food and water. And we end that, you know, he's basically going to help restore hope and faith in these people, faith in Sinestro, and that St. Walker is informed that War World is equipped with a lot of terraforming equipment, you know, inherently, so it's going to help create Basically, our clue is soon going to become able to take care of their own needs with sustaining crops and everything else, all because basically of the Sinestro Corps. And you know, I and Saint Walker is kind of stunned by all this, and he goes, "Maybe I judged you too harshly." And he goes, "Well, your expectations may have led you astray." He goes, "I, but but you have a chance now to help. I mean, you can use the power of hope to aid my core." And he goes, "I can't." You know, only works in the presence of green light. And Sinestro goes, I understand. But however, I think, however, you'll find my will to be quite convincing. You know, my science division is prepared to work tirelessly to learn the secrets of your ring and of your connection to it. Your flesh and blood and your spirit tied to your ring's functionality and ready to be reshaped. We'll peel away whatever limitations prevent you from helping us. An agonizing process, I'm sure. But in time, St. Walker, you'll thank me for it. And next issue, a meeting of kings. I don't know.
What do you think? Let's let's start with the positive. I think the concept of of the Blue Lantern Ring being able to be used or be fully activated by other colors is interesting. We've kind of seen different aspects of this with other rings about how, and I'm not talking about like their how they showed their ability to amp up all the other cores, like in uh, the the build up to uh, lights out when you know when they allowed Kyle to teleport everybody away with the indigo power because that clearly was a power that was laden in their rings it wasn't a default power it didn't happen automatically but if you knew how to, but if you were trained in using the ring you could do it so that's something different there's a danger i think it's an interesting concept but there's a danger that once you start get doing that with all these rings that they they actually can function a lot of different ways than we thought it seems it can always be an easy out for something so I right. think that 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 is the da- that is the danger in the in it. The concept is kind of cool, you know. That's that theoretically the same Walker could amp up, you know, every other color, which we kind of suspected even when he did when we saw the blues do it with the indigos that they probably could do it to any other color if they wanted to really. And the idea that maybe with if you delve deep into the underpinnings of the ring, then maybe another color or all the colors could maybe un- uh, could release the full power of the blue lanterns. Um, right. Of everything they do, that's the po- that's the positive to it. The negative, of course, is I friggin' hate this goddamn sad sack Saint Walker, which seemingly we got rid of at the end of Godhead. I hate the fact that he was that even though he may be slightly better, you would think number one, you would think he'd be kind of like rebuilding the Blue Lantern Corps at this point, potentially. And number two, you would think he, I mean, but the Green Lantern's gone, but he seemingly knows the Green Lanterns are gone. Maybe we were just supposed to assume that he knows because Slobo tells him and St. Walker, I mean, and Sin- friggin', goddammit, and Sinestro confirms it. But you would think he'd be able to sense that the blue, that the greens were gone. You would also kind of think that he might be able to sense that. If he did sense that, you would think he would, if that's the case, you would also think that he would seek out Hal Jordan being the last source of the green that he could find. But I hate this sad sack, St. Walker. I, the, the thought of them Parting the, my language here, the thought of them fucking around with Saint Walker to make him a, make him so much less as a the, changing the essence of who he is, which they which is a kind of hinting they might have to do to to get this ring to work in a different way to fundamentally change this character. I'm going to despise that with every fiber of my being. <laughs> you know, Saint Walker is a great character, and I think to be perfectly honest, he's been he really has been treated pretty shit. Like pretty much like shit for a long time now. They haven't really given him much to do. He hasn't done anything. Uh, so I don't like this direction of what they're doing. And as long as I mean, if, if they're gonna if they're really gonna be peeling back the essence of who he is, and he's not gonna be the same character anymore, as opposed to just playing with the ring and having him maybe have a slightly different view, but not but not be completely different. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna hate that. And before. I, before I stop, I want to stop monopolizing that my comments. As in the in the scheme of things, like I, as I'm always critical of Billy Tan, I don't I don't like it all the way Van Skyver draws Saint Walker. He's the one who designed him, though. No, he wasn't. No, he, he wasn't. Was the, he was the first one who who no, drew him. No, he didn't. He didn't. He he wasn't the artist in Rage of the Red Lanterns. No, 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 no. Uh, Twenty five, Green Lantern Twenty five. Oh, you're talking about the splash! Oh, the splash! Yeah, page. yeah, yeah. But yeah, that yeah. was not the best. But don't, you don't really see the tail in that picture, and it's not really the best look on his face. I'm, I, you, 
He, you are correct. In that splash page, he may have been the actual first. That was the first time we actually got any glimpse of Saint Walker. But when you think of Saint Walker, you think of the way he looked in Rage of the Red Lanterns and that storyline. That is your classic Saint Walker. This is a, maybe Van Skyver's first real attempt to, or a first real chance to draw him in great detail. There are times when he looks okay. The close-ups of his face, I think, look okay. And like when when he's when uh, Lobo is grabbing, you know, after he reveals himself that he's the one in the cloak. But there are some panels, so maybe, to be fair, there are some panels, maybe when St. Walker is looking ex- extremely down. Maybe that's, which is partly by just, I thought about this possibility, to be fair, too. Maybe because of the way St. Walker is, because he's kind of a sad sack St. Walker, maybe he purposely drew him to look less, you know, less than the way we normally would see him. So that could have been a creative choice, too. I, so I want to be fair there. That could have been a creative choice. But I don't think this is, this is not my, the classic, rep, the classic, look of St. Walker as far as how I see St. Walker or the, the best look for St. Walker. So maybe that clarification was important. But but what did you think? I mean, I liked it. Um, I've, when I first started reading comics regularly, uh, Ethan Van Skyver was at the pinnacle of my, you know, top favorite artist list. Um, but obviously, you know, I kind of grew into my comics reading and stuff like that and nowadays it's like Yvonne Hayes and you know stuff like that uh so there are times especially that last page um when we get the the the, the full splash and there's an excessive amount of detail on on Sinestro and stuff like that that is true that's that's a that's a cool page it's cool but it's that's what I'm saying though it's 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 cool but that's kind of the moments where I'm like oh god Van Skyver's going over the top a little bit with this. Um, but also, that's, that page also yeah. is doesn't bode well for St. Walker because they have what's her face there, Miss 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 Gray. Right. Which means that so, they're... yeah. So I I liked it. Uh, the art was good, but there were spots like that one that I was just like, uh, not sure if I'm feeling that. Uh, the story itself, I mean, this is there's not a whole lot I can say about the story itself because it's kind of a same shit, different issue kind of a thing uh you know it's the same same thing that happened in lobo 10 but happening in the sinestro book so you know what's going on uh just you know different lanterns so there's that but i also like how they kind of kept some of the continuity like uh keeping in uh mind that war world has terraforming capabilities right so that was cool as well but otherwise i really don't have a whole lot to say about it I mean, I agree with you about St. Walker. I'm not as passionate about it as you are, but I agree that, you know, you've got Atrocitus and the Red Lanterns are super powerful. and Yellow Lanterns, obviously super powerful. Larflees, even though he's been made a... Larflees is to me, like, I, I guess, that like what St. Walker is to you. The Larflees have been made a joke since Blackest Night. Uh, and people often forget because he's made the laughing stock that this dude houses the entire power of a core. Uh, so you should be taking him pretty, I mean, he may be something you laugh at, but you're also pretty timid around him because he can fly off the handle and destroy you. Um, and you know, the compassion lanterns are, are really powerful in their own right. And so are the, the star Sapphire, every lantern is really powerful, but the blue lanterns aren't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and the same the same uh, the same the same reasoning now that i have for 
you know, Larfley's is houses the entire power of a core. St. Walker's the only one left of the blue lanterns that we know of, uh, at this moment. Uh, so technically he houses the entire power of a core. But he just doesn't wield. have the charge of from the don't forget Laura Fleas. Laura Fleas is as powerful as he is because of hoarding, you know, be ha- having that battery next to him for so long and charging. That that's why he's that his ring is charged to such an incredible percent too. But well, Saint Walker then has access to the empower the entire power of a core. That's that's all I'm saying. But, yes, but as we know, that's part of that's part of the catch twenty two with the Blues in general, which even Sinestro, even Sinestro kind of in a way is acknowledging. And we and it, it not, on the bright side, nothing has really been done over the years to contradict kind of what Jeff Johns originally said was that the blue light was the, really the most powerful, but it comes with a cost and there's and there's a catch and everything else. That even Sinestro, in his own way, is acknowledging how powerful the blue lanterns or the can be or are, because if he can get that power to work for his core the way it has always worked for the for the greens, then that there's so much that he can do. And and vice versa, being able to power up, being able to power, you know, that what the Blues can bring to the table for him is incredible. And if he can, you basically use his his yellow light to be a source for the to help unleash, you know, the full ring capacity and the capabilities of the Blues, like the Greens could. That you know, basically that that's so much that works in his favor so much. Uh, so as so as a concept, I'm not necessarily against the idea of find, finding out a way to um, have other powers in in the ring. Like I said, I am concerned that it does open the door in general that whenever you're whenever you're stuck now that you can that you can always say that there's other powers in the ring that we we didn't know about and somehow we discovered it and whatever. I mean, I, I don't want it to be a fail safe. So that 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 does concern me. And again, the idea, you know this, you know short term this is not going to end well for St. Walker. And I just don't, I think he's been treated like crap. And I don't like, you know, you could see in a way why being tempted by the devil, if you will, of Sinestro would seem in his current state and seemingly having nobody else to rely on. Uh, no, no blues, no greens being on his own that and being kind of like re, you know, reaffirming how. On on his own, he is. You know, he's the last of the he's the last of the blue lanterns. Now he doesn't have any green lanterns to be allied with, which is why I think he. You know, you you would think he'd be seeking out Hal somehow. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's in, it's a, as a concept, it's interesting. I'm not against it. It's just that my love for Saint Walker makes it difficult just to see how he's got to been really kick you know kicked to the back burner so much. And then when he isn't on the back burner, he's like, you know, he's not doing what do you think he should be doing or could be doing but all right anything else no all right guys we're gonna go on into feedback <laughs> time is the jeffrey pearson sex party <laughs> No, no, uh, it's not sex party time. Try it again. Let me guess. Tweets and emails. Yes, tweets and emails.
So feedback this episode, um, we only really have one person to thank. So thank you, Jesse, for sending in an email. I love, I put up a tweet in a Facebook post uh, saying we were recording tonight and what we were talking about and asking for some some uh, responses. And we actually got a response from Jesse. Uh, it's the only one we got. So thanks, Jesse. Appreciate that. Uh, as as uh, we're reading it, well, first off, I'm going to read uh, a section of an email from his previous email to us that we read on a previous episode uh because it involves the global annual that at that point when we were recording we hadn't yet read so um let me read that and then we'll get into his uh his new email so global annual number one i guess this was technically a july book was it (laughs) but i didn't know about it until august so i'm putting my thoughts here a tweet from myron over at the blog of oa said lobo was tying in with sinestro so I decided to pick it up. The opening page when Lobo snipes that Sinestro Corps candidate by firing through the ring as it was flying towards the candidate quickly made me realize what this new Lobo is like. He's not the 90s main man that I've always known. He's all business, heartless, everything for the contract bounty hunter. Nothing like the original. It's it's with... Uh, I'm wondering if it's left. It's left me wondering who would have the balls to send Lobo after Sinestro. Uh, later in the book, that freaky spider skeleton guy, I don't even know what to say. Lobo chops him into pieces and his head is still alive. Freaky. All in all, this is a pretty gory issue, but I guess we should expect that in a modern book about a merciless bounty hunter. The reveal that Sinestro hired Lobo took me completely by surprise, but it's totally in keeping with Sinestro to test Lobo's resolve before sending him on with his real job, exterminating the other core. Course. Course, yeah. Uh, I like the art in this issue, so it shocked me when I realized it was the same artist as on Sinestro 14. Then I looked at the Sora Sora again, and yep, that was consistent with the Sinestro issue. I think his Arkillo looked great and was scary looking as I think – was as scary looking as I think I've ever seen him. Then he mentioned a little bit about Lobo 10 on the bottom of – of the email about some some old favorites from Indigos and Reds are back, some pretty gory deaths of some pretty prominent characters, but I won't say who, but we just did. <laughs> Lobo gets to meet Becca, and she's not impressed, which, of course, that is true. But Becca, yeah, well, but Becca's agenda is, or her non-agenda, it's kind of interesting to see them kind of get into a pissing contest in a way, for, like, Sinestro's favor in a way. It's kind of interesting. All right, you want to tackle uh, his new email, and we'll just take it point by point i haven't read it yet so sure uh hey guys i just saw your tweet that you're that you're recording tonight i hope this gets to you in time no worries jesse (laughs) first regarding your reviews of glc quarterly uh thanks for doing those i'm enjoying the episodes however i have to disagree with you about the nort stories i find them entertaining they're obviously not meant to be taken seriously and quite frankly are absurd Taking that into consideration, I frequently laugh out loud at his antics. It's the comic book version of slapstick. Well, I think you you dislike. I mean, none of us. I mean, neither one of us loves the Nord stories, but I think you might dislike it a tad more than I do. I think I said the last issue. I thought I said in the last issue that there actually were some decent Nord stories, and I didn't think I did. Even the one I just did, I don't think I disliked. I thought I said that I liked it better than some of the others, but eh, I'm the one who doesn't really like them that much. I mean, they haven't been great. I mean, I, but I think the worst Nort story was the first one when they when he first meets Sax Girl or whatever. I think that was the worst. I think that was the who actually was what conspicuously absent from from the last story. But I think all the others, the two of the three stories that he's been in, I kind of liked. The one with the cats, the aliens with the cats. 
oh, we will bow before your canine might or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought, yeah, the last, so I thought the last two were actually pretty good, but they are, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of make fun of it just because it's Nord. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like if it was Chip in a way. It's kind of like, I don't know. But, uh, now for a brief word, brief words about the September issues. Uh, Green Lantern 44. I'm enjoying Venditti's short one and done stories. Hal helping his friends and then saving a random planet from bad guys is what I love about some of the older stories. I think Venditti is shining with these type of stories. Thoughts? I mean, I, I disagree a little bit. I mean, I know that we, we felt that this was more filler than a one and done kind of a thing. Right. But I, but I do get what he's talking about. The yeah, idea yeah, that's of, yeah. true. I mean, so we, I, I, I see some of his points. I don't. I, I think, I think it's well written for what it is. So I don't think it's a it was a poorly written issue. Like I think yeah, that's the, true. I think, like I said, when we talked about that issue, that I think it's, it's kind of like in the middle of like what Robert's done so far. It's not his best. It's the plotting, not the writing. Yeah, it's not the best issue, but it's, but it's certainly nowhere near you know some of the worst. Going back to the Durland times. Before the Empire, uh, GL Annual Number Four. <laughs> Simply put, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> I was hoping for a little more, like how 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 they got Darlene, which we talked about. The differing accounts of his account of Hal's encounter with Salak and the other Lanterns was interesting. I did not like the art, though. Nobody looked right. We're pretty much in agreement with most of that, mm-hmm. except for the the gray, you know, the uh, what you call it. Now I forgot their name again. Gray agents. Thank you. <laughs> I saved you. You saved me. The gray agents. Yeah, the gray agent part looked really, really good. But uh, yeah, especially when it comes to how, um, not so much. Sinestro number fifteen. Saint Walker. Yay. Ethan Van Skyver. Yay. Well, except for the way he drew Sinestro, that high collar, which of course is the way he kind of always drew Sinestro. You know, when Sinestro first got that uniform. So. Uh, it just looked bad. Lobo not killing St. Walker was a pleasant surprise. It better not have been a surprise. I'd have been burning down the DC offices if that had happened. Lobo cutting off his own finger to keep the ring away was kind of cool. Well, we've seen it. We had seen it before, but yes, it's still a nice trick. Yellow Man Hunters giving out food to those starving aliens. Totally did not expect that. I agree. That mm-hmm. was that was kind of a nice touch. Uh, what do you think of the high collar on Sinestro? I did look... Atypical, Van Skyver, right? Sinestro. Yeah, and we are, we are, yeah, we are kind of used to not seeing that as as much now. So again, it's it's, it's what it really comes down to what you're used to. I mean, it doesn't bother me because again, like that classic, you know, the the classic uh, Sinestro figure from the action figure line with the high collar. It's like that's the way he that's the way he drew him in that in his uniform. So that's would make sense. Uh, Lobo 10, he, he talks a little bit more about Lobo 10. Uh, poor Monk! Yes, that was brutal. I'm glad Lobo didn't get Indigo 1, though. Agreed. Another case of Lobo removing... There we go. Another case of Lobo removing his own finger to keep a ring away. This time biting it off. That guy's messed up. He takes out Rancor pretty brutally, too. It's looking pretty bad for the core. I don't think Atrocis is going to be as easy to defeat, though. Agreed. Too bad Lobo is essentially immortal. Mm-hmm. Carbonite. Throwman Carbonite. Um, Lost Army number four. Arissi is not dead. No surprise there. True. Nice touch that the lanterns can't understand each other without their rings. Uh, that's been overlooked before, even though we did kind of mention that I, that it was dealt with on the animated series. Uh, 
Good thing Salak took the time to learn English. Badge to the rescue. I'm still enjoying the story, but it seems to be moving slow. Agreed. But the cancellation, I guess Bun will have to pick up the pace. I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think he's going to have time to pick up the pace. Um, unless he reworked the script. Yes, two. unless he had time to rework six, like we talked about two before, maybe to give a, a temporary ending well, until the actual bigger picture ending comes down. Uh, other than that, I, I'm don't think we're going to have a chance. Uh, Star Trek Green Lantern number three. looks like we're getting the leaders of all the cores. Maybe they'll write Laura Fleas as a badass again instead of the comedy relief. Signs, signs are looking hopeful. Uh, Necron wins Blackest Night 2. <laughs> and now we're getting the third, third round in the Trek universe. I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, any thoughts on that? Or you're just... No. I, I, I said we didn't read this email before we started reading it, so... <laughs> My thoughts on Larfleys being uh, just comedy relief uh, lately, uh, obviously, was mentioned earlier in the episode, so we're right on target there, Jesse. And he asked if we're reading the Dark, Se- Dark Side War, excuse me, uh, I think that think that Justice League 44 was the best DC book that I read this month. It's Jeff Johns at the top of his forum, and it's not running across the whole DC universe and bringing in every book. I like that it's contained in the GL bo- JL book and... Uh, despite its universe-wide implications. I have not been reading that. I have an interest in it. I haven't read it, though. Same here. Uh, I've, I've seen some panels spoiling some things, um, like, you know, who Metron is now yes. and stuff like that. Bad attitude uh, in a chair. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, but there was a lot of rumbling on on Twitter, especially about number 44, so... I might pick up the Dark Side War um, uh, digitally and just see what it's like. I agree. I think it's it's certainly uh, something I'm I'm I am interested in. I would con- I definitely would consider getting the trade. It's nice to see you know Jeff Johns doing Jeff Johns like stuff. Uh, like makes me kind of wish that he was doing more Green Lantern like Green <laughs> Jeff Johns stuff. <laughs> But, but nonetheless, uh, it is what it is. All right. Uh, that was the only bit of feedback we got, uh, this, uh, this episode. So, uh, guys definitely send us some feedback. Um, if you think that we're, you know, going to be covering something in particular pretty soon, uh, definitely, uh, shoot us that feedback. Um, you know, as, as the titles come out, you're welcome to send us those feedback and we can collect it and all and read it on the air rather than having you guys have to compile all your thoughts on a one month's worth of books into a single email. Like if you're reading an issue and you got some thoughts on it, definitely send us an email. We don't, you know, we're not going to get mad at you for sending one email per issue. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, there's several ways to get a hold of us, Mark. You want to wrap us up and tell people how they can get a hold of us? Email lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Of course, you can visit our website, lanterncast.com. Check out our latest news, Ring Cyclopedia episodes, Dark Star reviews. Um, you name it. We're gonna, we have it. We're going to put it there. Uh, our new episodes are also available there as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Use hashtag and Facebook, like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us positive reviews. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708 Lantern, people. 708 Lantern. And let us know what you think. 
All right, guys. Um, this month has some surprises in store for you, so uh, keep an eye out, uh, an eye out, an ear out, something like that. <laughs> Whatever. Keep we'll an eye, keep an eye on out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. Hey, Lantern Cast family. Um, no, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I was gonna say, you, Chad's going in. Chad's yeah. going rogue. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jeez. Lantern fan family. I got right. my robe on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try that again. Oh. <laughs>